At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome on to one of our favorite podcasts to do, although most film intensive, so sorry for a little bit of a delay here, our Summer League Prospect Review. We're going to try and go through basically every single relevant prospect in Summer League. Going to do Atlanta through Indiana today in alphabetical order. Also got a little bit of news to get to, some signings still coming in. And I want to remind you that we are sponsored today by a number of companies. First up will be Movement Watches, mvmt.com slash cap space is your URL to get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. So why don't we get started with some news, Danny? What we got? I think the biggest thing and certainly came out of nowhere for us was the Houston Rockets are up for sale. It came out of nowhere for everyone. Tad Braun, their CEO, actually announced it at a press conference earlier in the week. I actually went on Calvin Watt podcast yesterday if you're interested in hearing some more extensive thoughts about this what do you think they go for Danny Whew. I have not spent a lot of time really thinking about the differences between this but my instinct is somewhere between like 1.6 and 2.2 yeah probably that's on the I've lower end of that yeah I, I think if it breaks two I would be surprised I mean Bill Simmons was saying like 2.7 or something like that that seems very surprising certainly from the economics but remember this last one of these two the economics Steve Ballmer just blew everyone out of the water because you know he really wanted an NBA team and especially an NBA team that is set up to be pretty competitive for a while is one that doesn't come on the market very often Leslie Alexander's basically saying he was a little bit tired of the grind it is an interesting time though because of course these have been salad days for franchise values team profits of course after they won the 2011 CBA reduced the players share of basketball related income down to 51 percent or below from 57 and and then, of course, the massive national TV contract that kicked in starting in the low $2 billion range, and it's going to ramp up over, I think, the next eight years. And so all of that would indicate that certainly the business is very good. On the other hand, maybe there are some who see, and I'm not even sure if this is going to happen, but there are some who see perhaps that the next rights deal could be lower due to cord cutting and just a, a lowered ability to monetize NBA streaming, of increasingly fractious entertainment business an increasingly fractious online viewing marketplace as well so i don't expect that that will come into play and that they would go for a little bit less than we would think and also of course you know again it's not pure economics a lot of it's just ego and guys who are rich enough to be like hey this is what i want to do i'm 
paying extra for just the fun of this, not just the economic fundamentals. Right. I've compared years ago on Real GM, I compared owning a team to owning artwork. You know, so some people own it because they want that piece in their house. Other people see it as an investment. For the people who own an NBA team more for the business part of it, now is a wonderful time to sell because we don't know how long this is going to continue. Values are high right now. And for a point of clarification, the Rockets will stay in Houston because their lease runs through, I think it's something in the 2030s. So they'll be there a while. 2031. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll be there a while. But so, so I think there are certain teams that it makes sense to do that, you know, and and then other ones, if if you're like the buses and it's your family business, then by all means, you can keep going as long as you want. You're seeing the team in a very different way. And I wouldn't be surprised, especially if this gets a higher price than we expect, if it leads into a few other teams moving more in that, moving more just to adjust to to this circumstance. Yeah, nobody really comes to mind as someone who might want to sell necessarily in the near future. A lot of these owners are are pretty new. What about Prokhorov? Yeah, that's true. That is a good one. And maybe, I mean, I think they had some feelers out and then felt like, hey, the team is at an absolute nadir in terms of its value where they are on the court. So kind of building things up a little bit was the way to go. So maybe in a couple of years, as they start to look better, it might happen again. I think this new owner, whoever it is, you know, generally it'll be about a five, six month type of timeline for these sorts of things. Whoever the new owner is, is going to be coming in, obviously, at a very interesting time now they just re-upped James Harden of course uh, on that designated player veteran extension and they also have the impending free agency of Chris Paul and they'll have the ability to pay him five years 207 million through age 37 which may not appeal to a new owner on the other hand generally the pattern for new owners has just been to spend initially when they get in there keep things together that's certainly what we saw with Balmer and Doc Rivers for example giving him a new contract when he came in and just trying the existing infrastructure that's in place especially when it's a successful team so we'll see what happens obviously i think leslie alexander clearly to me is one of the best owners in the nba the way that he had the vision to bring in stat dork daryl morey as he was known at the time in 2006 or 7 whenever he came in and so just due to random chance you would expect that whoever the new owner is be gonna be probably won't be as good as mr alexander but uh, that all remains to be seen. Maury, also another guy who's just extended. I mean, they, I don't know how quickly Alexander decided he wanted to sell the team, but really they have a lot of these pieces locked into place for a while, which in theory is not what you want when you have a team that you're selling, but it, when you're as successful as the Rockets have been, it makes more sense. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair way of thinking about it. Do you want to move on to some other news? Absolutely. Why don't we start with New Orleans? A couple of interesting things there. Rajon Rondo, 3.3 million, does not appear to be that that is the BAE. However, they also signed Darius Miller for 2.1 million. He only had three years of experience, so that is above the minimum for him. Where did Darius Miller play last year? I know he was on the Pelicans for a time before. Last played in the NBA in 2014-15. Yeah, and he was on uh, Bros Bomberg in the Bundesliga. So they obviously have a familiarity with him and he shot it well on three pointers this year 40 percent overall a guy who has a big body not very athletic they certainly desperately need some help supposedly he had a number of offers to choose from so maybe that's felt that's why they felt they needed to up things a little bit getting rondo for as cheaply as they did puts them still slightly below the tax so they will be hard capped if they indeed are paying miller that 2.1 million uh, because that would have to come out of their mle as well the 2.1 plus the 3.3 for Rondo would take them slightly over the taxpayer MLE 
already into the full mid-level so they'd be hard cap but they still have about six million dollars in room with which to work and also don't seem to be like a team that would be paying the tax either they still have like no proven threes on this roster at all though and it sounds like they're going to play rondo and holiday together a lot which doesn't seem like a great idea to me either their spacing is going to be a major concern i mean because remember that one of the guys they have that can play the three is solomon hill solomon hill has not exactly been the most reliable three-point shooter out there so they yeah, have he's, a, lot he's of these... a four to me solomon hill is a four to me. yeah we, we've and said so that if you see times. him as a four then they really don't have threes and so they're, they're gonna have to to deal with this and they don't have much in the way of assets other than their own draft picks which of course del Demps has traded before but they're gonna have to do that if they want to really upgrade you know one thing they can sell in the interim is playing time you know they they have they have that to say if you're gonna do that but there aren't that many guys on the market that you can even sell playing time to that are worth it and then if they're going to be hard capped or if they're going to treat the tax as a functional hard cap then they don't have that much money to work with either so it's going to be a major challenge for them especially considering they play in a stacked western conference you can argue about whether a team in new orleans should be in the western conference but they are and so it's going to be tough i mean i've been sitting there the last couple days thinking about how the west is going to shake out and they have so much talent but they're going to need to figure it out quickly because it looks like the west is going to be strong enough where it's going to take a lot to get in yeah i think this is a poor use of resources rondo especially the whole point of paying drew holiday 25 million a year was that you're going to then put the ball in his hands and let him be your creator they do need someone else who can create off the pick and roll they did need a backup point guard after that tim frazier move which he was a solid cheap backup point guard i'm not sure why they wanted to do that who did they draft with that pick anyway i know it was like number 52 it was washington's pick they drafted sumner and then traded him to the pacers for cash <laughs> okay well uh i was thinking maybe you know they would bring whoever that was onto their team so because if you have your own second round pick that actually counts you're paying in the moon that actually counts for less against the luxury tax it counts for the actual 815 whereas if you sign someone else it counts for more against the tax if they are a rookie free agent but they didn't take advantage of that. So it's definitely going to be a concern. I mean, maybe Quincy Pondexter, he's supposed to be working out. Maybe he could come back. But if he could even get on the court, he had really one good year in like the last three before he got hurt. And so I really am skeptical of his ability to contribute, even if he can get back on the floor. And so, you know, I guess Hill is going to be their starting three. But it's just, yeah, the lack of shooting, especially with Rondo out there, is going to be a major problem. And to me, Miller, that's a scouting evaluation if he really is that good maybe he can help them you know i can't confess to have been watching him the rest of this time but to use the rest of your money below the tax on someone like rondo when i mean just taking a few more flyers on the wing would have made a lot more sense to me all right that's enough on that what else do we have here the celtics had to clear their space which they did by waving jordan mickey and demetrius jackson they actually ended up picking up jackson's non-guaranteed next year on his contract so they could stretch him over a longer period of time and then squeezed out they signed Nader, they signed Ojale, it looks like. And then the interesting one, the one that kind of came out of nowhere that we saw today is they agreed with Shane Larkin. And so Shane Larkin is back in the NBA. And while I thought two guard was a greater need, having a third point guard certainly helps them. Well, it's really a fourth point guard because they got Smart and they got Terry Rozier. That's 
true. Not I, where... I, I think of Smart more as a two now, but you're right that he can run the offense. So Yeah, I mean, he's, he got a lot of minutes at, at backup point um, down the end of last year. And for Demetrius Jackson, I think that what they did was that he actually had, I want to say, a four-year deal. And so they picked up his player option, which was non-guaranteed anyway, so it didn't matter. And then they stretched him over seven years instead of Correct. five because he actually had three years left on his contract. So yeah, that's had, how they got the 600,000 down less than to less than 100,000. In other yes, news, right. out of Phoenix, Ryan McDonough uh getting a contract extension of indeterminate length, James Jones, former Cavalier and also former Sun and Heat, all joining the organization in the front office. And so this is interesting, I think in Phoenix McDonough had been one of the lower paid GMs. He I think when he came in, he was actually below Lon Babby in the organization and I don't know whether he got a pay raise commensurate with being the chief basketball decision maker when Babby departed. But for McDonough, this is good for him, especially when you consider that really they started the rebuilding process immediately upon him coming in. Then they got good. Then they got really bad again. And now I think Robert Sarver maybe is just impressed with the drafting that they've gotten. Maybe also the success that Philadelphia has had. There was talk that they were in on Paul Millsap early in the free agent process. Then they kind of shut that down. They have not really used their space on any anything other than just re-signing Alan Williams. So it seems like Robert Sarver likes the direction of the franchise. That direction of the franchise also has the advantage of being very cost efficient at this point in time. And so it looks like they're going to continue going the tank and develop route for the future. And if you want your GM to keep doing that, a good way to do it is to give him a contract extension so he doesn't have to worry about his job security. At the same point, if this is where they were going, it feels like now the Eric Bledsoe part of this equation doesn't make as much sense. You know, I always thought that the reason he was kind of in the sense that they're going to move him. Well, in the sense that if you were going to move him, it was better to do it before now. So if they if they wanted to keep McDonough around, then maybe you go whole hog into this. You move Bledsoe for assets and you go into it. But now most teams have kind of figured out where they're going. You know, there are always trades for talented point guards. That's just the way the way this works. But I think that it's, it's a challenge if they had made maybe if they had made this decision in late June, they probably could have seen something different for him. But obviously we don't know the the offers that are out there on the table or the offers that will come maybe some team's point guard is going to get hurt and then they'll freak out and do that that's actually what the suns took advantage of when they traded marcin gortat years ago to the washington wizards Derek Rose is now in talks with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the piece uh, from Woj and Brian Windhorse, which may have been cut and pasted from one of B.J. Armstrong's texts, I'm not sure, said that uh, Rose would be signing to play with Kyrie Irving in the backcourt, which uh, would be a surprise to me. He certainly will not be starting over J.R. Smith. That would shock me. He's going to be their backup one guard. Maybe he'll play with him in the backcourt a little bit, but if they do sign him, they're talking about just signing him for the veterans minimum. The Lakers talking about maybe adding him as well, and they do have their room exception available. Personally, I would just be trying to play Jordan Clarkson as much as possible as the backup point guard and build up his trade value so it doesn't cost as much to move him when they want to try and get max space next summer. I still always thought that the best fit for Rose was San Antonio if he's talking about taking the minimum, but it's uh maybe san antonio is not really interested who knows where those like small rumblings came from about him early on in the free agent process i mean i think rose is a better backup point guard option than jose calderon uh, 
but he certainly doesn't help the Kevlar's defensive issues. And in LA, I don't really see the point of him at all. Oh, it is also reported, by the way, this is pretty funny. Rose Sammy McSing expected to make a decision this weekend and has had discussions, not that they necessarily are going to lead anywhere, with a certain team in a certain Midwestern town known as Doubles, uh, which would be hilarious if he goes back there they need to catch them all in terms of the point guards who can't really shoot i mean between this year and last year he, he he'll be the best point guard on the roster though That's oh absolutely the, oh by not by a mile but by a, a meaningful amount so i mean do yeah, they really they don't want that they don't want that distraction though i mean that's just like uh, there's no way that's gonna happen i would just be no shocked. no no it's not well and i think uh sean hyken of the athletic had that as well that the bulls were i think he said that the bulls were not interested so they could have had a discussion and that discussion could be no yeah <laughs> Yes, I guess if you want to parse the language out there. All right, let's wrap this up here so we can actually get to the prospects since we are so verbose when we're discussing virtually anything at all. Willie Reed, minimum contract to the Clippers. He projects to be their backup center. They didn't really have much there. Most Spates have been talked about me going to the Hawks. No idea where he's going to end up now, but Reed a little bit more versatile defensively than Spates is. Gives them an alley-oop option that can, to back up DeAndre Jordan, they can kind of play in somewhat similar fashion with Reed out there. Obviously, Reed not the force that Jordan is, but still a solid player for the minimum that's pretty good and then Manu Ginobili Woj reporting that he and the Spurs are finalizing details of his imminent return for a 16th NBA season they were able to keep his cap hold on the books so they can pay him more than the minimum if they want they've stayed over the cap this season we'll see how much he ends up getting they are going to have some issues with the hard cap and they still have to pay Pau Gasol as well so maybe he'll get a little over the minimum I wouldn't expect too much and then the Rockets bringing back Bobby brown who got himself a guaranteed contract i guess by recruiting chris paul his friend to the rockets troy williams is back to the rockets on a three-year deal he was a restricted free agent after or one year played well in summer league we'll talk more about him later and then the heat have re-signed udonis oh, haslam one, one more yes. with the rockets luke Richard and bob mute oh yeah we didn't talk about him do we uh right yeah i like their approach here in contrast to, to what cleveland has done i thought we did talk about him on the last episode oh maybe we did didn't i go on like that long rant about how the rockets are getting defensive players and the Cavs are yes, getting you offensive did. You players did. I, I was thinking yeah. i was thinking that was about yeah you're right you're right it all runs together for me even though it's so long between episodes this is what happens when we're not crisp yeah we're not recording every single day yeah so the heat brought back Udonis Haslam you could talk about how that's not a great use of a roster spot but when you consider the heat culture what they're able to get out of some of these guys who they bring in he's a big part of that so I certainly understand why they went in that direction with him presumably that will be for the minimum He'd still have their room exception, don't they? I believe they do, yes. Yeah. And they're not close to the tax. So, I mean, granted, it's still money to Mickey Harrison. The one other one that I wanted to mention, we don't have any more to to really work on it, but there was a report out today, I believe it was from uh, Jerry Zagoda, that the Wolves and Andrew Wiggins are talking about an extension. And he is a big a big one to to look at in terms of how these restricted free agents are seeing the market, but also test for Thibodeau to see if he can actually squeeze a guy because he hasn't really done that at all since taking over the Timberwolves. Yeah, we'll see whether he suffers from Stan Van Gundy disease. I thought he did a nice job on the Cole Aldrich contract. That didn't work out, but I thought at the time it actually, considering what some other players similar to him were going for, it actually was okay to get him on what they did. We'll get to now the summer league prospects starting with the Atlanta Hawks. But first this for movement watches. 
mvmt.com slash cap space is the url to get 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns they have both men's and women's watches my girlfriend has one she likes it my mom got one and then got some for her nieces as well my cousins the one i have that i really like is their 40 series i go with a, a little bit smaller watch so 40 stands for 40 millimeters i also have their gunmetal sandstone that's a little bigger as well Movement watches start at just $95. At a department store, you're looking at four to $500. That's why I didn't really wear a watch for a long time because it just didn't really seem worth it to pay that much. Oh, you can tell time on your phone. Of course, if you're stuck in a long meeting or conversation, pulling out your phone isn't really politically advisable. So maybe glancing a quick look at your watch could be a little more surreptitious there as well. So that's a, a reason to have one. But the biggest reason is just because these look really good and you'll be shocked at the type of quality and style that you can get for their pricing, which again, starts at just $95. Go check out that link, movement.com, MVMT dot com slash catspace just take a look at their watches both men's or whims i think you'll be very impressed with what's there mvmt.com slash catspace that'll get you 15 percent with free shipping and free returns all right there's a reason why we spent so much of our energy and so much of our time in las vegas and that is to bring you this podcast let's start with the atlanta hawks and deandre bembry who to me i didn't learn a ton new about him he did the things well that he does well and didn't show a ton of improvement in the things that he doesn't do well which is in particular his shooting he did have a little more bounce than i remembered he had a couple of nice nice dunks including one on somebody i wish i remembered who it was when i was one of the benefits of those vegas seats where you're sitting right on the baseline is you get a a nice sense of that but otherwise you know decent decent jump shot didn't shoot a lot good feel for the game i do like him though and i think that in this year when they're probably trying to figure out you know who's a part of their team who can actually play he's worth considering and worth giving playing time to he's a guy who i expect to hang around in the league just because he's a smart player he had 11 steals in four games he's got great feel he can find little ways to score he cuts to the rim he's got an okay floater game he uses pump fakes and mid-range to get to the following even though he's not a great mid-range shooter uh, he's got he'll get out in transition as well he can handle the ball good passing vision for a guy his size he had 13 assists in four games which in a low assist environment as a shooting guard that's pretty good for him he had some really nice looks along the baseline to shooters on, on the weak side I don't think he's a lockdown type of defender yet. He doesn't have that type of length or athleticism or strength, but I think he could be a quality option there. It's just, I think he's kind of a non-shooter and he did shoot three out of six on threes, but it takes him forever to get it off. Kind of like Tabo Cephalosha. He's not a guy who's going to have a ton of gravity. Maybe he can make up for that some with his cutting ability, but he's not really athletic enough to be your number one guy trying to create offense or your number two guy even. And so he's going to have to play off the ball most of the time and if you don't have to guard him that makes it pretty difficult so he does some things well you know i i don't i don't think he's like not an nba player i think with his feel for the game he can get to that point maybe he can become a better shooter although he's older now i think he's like 23 at this point so am i looking at him as a future starter i don't think so can he be a guy who's in the league for a while you know i could see that yeah i think that's a fair way of thinking about him let's move on to their first round pick this year john collins 
out of Wake Forest, a guy that partially because he went to Wake Forest that I was pretty unfamiliar with when starting Summer League. And he was fascinating because he has kind of an unusual skill set. To me, he looks more like a like a pretty much a straight four. Maybe if he bulks up, he can play some five. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really do a ton back to the basket, but he has (sighs) intriguing bounce, more bounce than I ever thought that he had. And he's a wonderful rebounder. Yeah, 14% offensive rebound rate, 27% defensive rebound rate to the point where the other bigs he played with like didn't get any rebounds. If you look at the rebounding rates for like Diamond Stone, for example, or or Torian Prince wasn't a big, but didn't get any defensive rebounds. He's all over the glass for sure. You mentioned his finishing, really impressive. One foot, two feet, can get up. He had threw down some posters on guys in both of those situations. As a role guy, really outstanding, excellent in the dunker role on the baseline as well his jump shot looked okay he didn't post up a ton but when he did he was able to turn and face or get into a fadeaway you'd like to see him go with a little bit more power moves because on switches especially whether he can get into the post that's how a lot of post-ups occur in this day and age i actually thought he even made some nice passes uh, as the roll man off a trap suit when he caught the ball at the top of the key which wasn't something he was talked about doing and just uh, again like his finishing around the rim is what most impressed me he had one play where he got fronted caught the ball kind of under the backboard up faked and then came around the other side of the rim without dribbling and dunked it with a beautiful one hand reverse dunk uh he also hit a three which was nice uh looked very comfortable taking that but defensively is where the question mark is with him. I mean, I think certainly as a center on offense, he could be like a really solid offensive player. At the four, you really wonder about his ability to get out in the perimeter and defend as so many people have to now at the four position. And then at the five, he only blocked three shots in five games. Not too fantastic. Played a lot of the time. He played some with Ryan Kelly who and some with Diamond Stone. So he played some four and some five. It's just whether he can hold up defensively. But to talk about a guy who is pick number 17 as he was i'm sorry i i misspoke he's picked number 19 by the hawks to look good th- like this offensively i mean we know he had a great offensive season was like number one in the nation in pr or something like that he did what you would hope he, he would do i mean he didn't have any dominant shot blocks but that wasn't supposed to be part of his skill set coming in he did everything that you would have wanted to given what was realistically thought about what he could do so you go from there i think my feeling on collins is that he's probably going to, he's a player and i think that whether he's a rotation player or a starter is going to depend a lot on who's next to him in the front court and then also just the team around them but they have a while to figure that out somebody who has a clear role moving forward especially now with where it looks like the hawks are going to be is torian prince he wasn't wonderful in this set but that also wasn't the most surprising thing in the world yeah in similar fashion last year he was asked to expand handle the ball a lot in pick and roll and compared to last year he looked better doing that he played four games didn't shoot it that well passing vision is not really there he only had five assists in four games and when you're finishing 22 possessions as a pick and roll ball handler that's bad to only have five assists in four games he clearly had the ball in his hands a lot shot six of 18 from the three-point line didn't rebound at all we mentioned maybe that was just because John Collins was inhaling everything. Although I was disappointed with his passing vision, I thought he showed a little bit more ability to handle the ball, a little bit more ability to get to the rim off the dribble, but finished poorly around the rim. He's not that
that explosive of a guy doesn't have a ton of touch or feel for finishing around the rim with double pumps or floaters he got a, a fair amount of shots blocked also important to remember the circumstance he was playing in though the two guys who's playing next to it the one and the two a guy named josh mcgett who is a good d-league point guard but not really a shooter at all just a, a guy who handles the ball great passing vision but kind of like a d-league rondo in that respect and then bembry also a non-shooter and he's playing a lot of the time with two bigs as well in the starting line collins and diamond stone neither of them are shooting threes so there wasn't a ton of space in the lane for him to finish i thought the fact that he's able to get there was encouraging how did his jump shot look to you danny oh i it, i wasn't super impressed with it i mean it the mechanics of it are, are okay like i'm not seeing like an mkg style just brokenness to it but there isn't a fluidity that i i was comfortable with and then of course it didn't go in yeah i mean it's a, you know six out of 18 on threes i mean the, and obviously that sample size is small enough that it doesn't really matter that much either way i thought he was willing to take him off the dribble didn't necessarily go in uh, off the dribble he kind of short arms it a little bit when he shoots it off the dribble but one thing that was encouraging to me is he didn't really have many bad misses you know even his misses were pretty close uh and i thought he just looked better shooting the ball than last year and then defensively, you know, I, I think he's going to defend. I, I, To be honest, I don't really concentrate as much on defense, especially for wing players in the summer league. I'm trying to see, you know, who can really kind of take the, the next step. It's when you're not in an NBA defensive system, it's just really harder to evaluate these guys and also a lot more labor intensive as well frankly and we've probably put in a ton of time here looking at these guys offensively i mean he didn't do anything to me that stood out in the games that i watched particularly but he has the tools i think you know you're much better off just going back and looking at his nba film to see where he is defensively and i thought he was pretty solid there he's got a, a big strong body a few other shorter notes uh this is one of the hilarious notes isaiah Courtenier. He was uh, drafted last year, I think pick 44 by the Hawks, shot 5 of 20 last year. Well, he really improved because this year he was 6 of 20 from the field. Woo! He did reduce his turnover percentage from 37% to 19% this year. That's so he's really, he, he's, he's making a lot of, a lot of progress, but uh, you know, wasn't starting, wasn't playing a ton of minutes. I would be shocked if he comes over anytime soon. Yeah, Didn't do he, much he's in the more, French more of an athlete than a NBA basketball player at this point, but that's why you take guys in the second round sometimes is just to see if it eventually works out. But it is kind of remarkable when you see where he is now, the idea that he might've gotten a first round promise last year is like, oh, he wasn't even close to ready diamond stone came over from the clippers had some very nice games in the d league last year he's thinner deserves some credit for getting himself into better shape from his body composition standpoint but still not as explosive as you would really like him to be uh, he only had two blocks in his four games. Did get on the offensive glass nicely for nine offensive rebounds. They didn't really look to post him up at all. That's one of his talents as being an interior scorer. Uh, didn't get much in the way of defensive rebounds again, as we mentioned, because of uh, John Collins, perhaps. But there's a lot of plays where they'll throw it to him. He'll be open and you think he's going to dunk it and it's just a layup, you know, and you would just like to see a little bit more bounce than what he has. And I think he could be a 
solid rebounder especially on the offensive end but he he is and he's flashed a little bit of a jumper to you again he wasn't really asked to do much this year i think creating shots might be something that he can be better at but unless he can get a little bit more explosiveness and mobility to get on transition a little bit but i think defensively he's going to be a liability and not sure that he's going to be a guy who can get into the rotation on a good team due to some of his athletic limitations um you know he doesn't look like alan williams out there in terms of just like his size he has cut up his body but he still just doesn't really get off the ground that much the signing i liked him more than i expected to and that made the signings that they the hawks did of deadman and Ilyasova a little more disappointing just because then they would have had more opportunity for stone john collins i think is going to get his opportunities that's i'm not worried about that but the way an nba season works there will be chances i mean that's just the way this generally works out so i'm not super concerned about it especially considering stone still has to figure a lot out and deadman and Ilyasova certainly could be potential trade candidates as we talked about last time Let's get to Boston here. Jalen Brown, to me, as someone who has thought that he could be pretty good, we saw exactly why that is in that first game in Utah. He was a terror in transition, getting to the rim, finishing with either hand, bouncing off guys, getting to the foul line, pushing the ball, had his jump shot working from three as well when guys would go under on him or back off a little bit, was showing the whole package. Unfortunately, his whole package doesn't include passing at all. Even in that game, he had zero assists, and I think he had seven turnovers and to me i think a lot of people were encouraged by his summer league overall i didn't see as much of him in vegas because we saw him two games in a row in utah in person but to me i was actually a little bit disappointed just because he wasn't able to improve his feel at all he had a lot of plays where he's driving into two guys now he wasn't playing they didn't have really a point guard at all because they were just resting demetrius jackson a lot of the time when it looked like they'd signed hayward and it looked like he might have to be cut or traded away or something so he had to play point guard a lot and that's still not in his skill set at all uh but because i knew like everyone a lot of people were like surprised like oh man look at this scoring like he's out here doing what he's supposed to be doing like i already felt like he had that in his skill set so that wasn't a surprise to me the negative surprise i mean i shouldn't say surprise but lack of development i'll say is just in terms of the field that he showed and both passing and with turnovers i'll echo all that but also add that i thought his jumper looked more fluid and smoother than i expected he also has he all had confidence in it last year but it looked better just watching him repeat it both in warm-ups and then in the actual game that's a good thing because the celtics will need basically every guy on their floor to be comfortable taking open shots it's how their offense is going to work both with and without Isaiah. So he's more in line with that than I thought he was before. But you're right with the feel thing. I think what what really happened there was it was a coming together of expectations because you were higher on Jalen than almost everybody and everybody else was too low. So it kind of balanced out in that way that they're getting closer to where you were and you're getting closer to, the, to where they were. Somebody who was a larger disappointment, just because I know people are going to want to hear about Tatum, but let's go to Zizic first. He looked worse in Utah than in, than in I mean, in Utah than in Vegas. But he's also not perfect for this format. The the big men that do well in summer league are the guys who run the floor and just kind of finish and that sort of thing. He's not that, but I just didn't. He didn't look as kind of capable and ready for it as I expected. Because usually when somebody comes in and they play professionally, I expect them to do that and then just be adjusting to other parts of it. But I didn't see anything that's like, oh, this guy's just terrible. He looked terrible to me in Utah, uh, definitely. Or like, because there was talk that maybe he could come in and start. Yeah, he didn't. Def- look 
definitely like that. Do, no, no. And I mean, the things that he does well is run the floor hard. He plays hard most of the time. In Utah, especially, he was trying to get shoot jumpers from the foul line or get into the post. He's just not good at either of those things at this point. In Vegas, he actually played much better from a statistical standpoint, got on the offensive glass, finished around the rim, actually had a, a few more blocks than you would have expected. But generally, I think that he's not quite what you would look for in a role-playing modern center, just his ability to protect the rim or defend and pick and roll. So I think he strikes me as more of kind of an energy backup center at this point, maybe if he can get there. And I would expect it just to kind of the way that he looked as well to not necessarily get many minutes this season. I think it'll be mostly Aaron Baines and then Al Horford playing backup center. Maybe they'll find it another center at some point in the year. So I think it was disappointing just in terms of how he looked. I think he got better. He got into better shape. The altitude didn't bother him as much in Las Vegas. I thought the competition also in Utah was probably a little bit higher in front of a real crowd and and early on in the summer league i think fatigue really sets in late and you see guys who blow up in some of those later games when a lot of this the better players aren't playing so it's it's easier that way so a little bit disappointing i was hopeful that he could do more and you know you mentioned danny that it's not as conducive to him well, like, it's not like posting, it's like they're going to be running plays for this guy, you know, like he should be able to take advantage in terms of energy. And we didn't see that as much, certainly during the Utah portion. Yeah, I think that's fair. And yeah, I, I wonder what his role is going to be, especially now that they got Aaron Baines. I, I think Baines is going to be more of that guy at the beginning. And then if Zizic can earn his place, he's on a rookie scale deal for four years, they can do it. But let's talk about Jason Tatum. My overarching feeling on him are two different things, which might make Make sense to people but might not one there are parts of his game in terms of feel that i do really enjoy i thought he's a better he looked like a better passer in person than i expected and definitely good position as a rebounder but he is so comfortable taking bad shots and he makes more of them than most guys do but he's so comfortable doing it that if they can if the celtics and their coaching staff can get him out of that i think he's going to be a really good player but they're going to have to do that well i think it's certainly useful especially against switches to have someone who can take shots like that especially late in the clock he doesn't create a ton of separation i I think you mentioned he's comfortable taking bad bad shots so they got to get him out of it but if they get him out of it like what are the good shots that he's going to be able to create for himself i agree with you on the passing that's something that we saw a little bit in pick and roll at duke that wasn't as much of a surprise to me only took 12 three-point attempts in six games. Looked more comfortable from the corners than above the break. He definitely passed up spot-up opportunities to try and put the ball on the floor. That's something that we saw from him in college and the lower levels as well. But he, he showed some nice footwork one time in Utah, for example. He got the ball in the corner, up-faked, sidestepped to his left, and was able to hit a three again from the shorter corner. You know, I think the way his shot is, it's very kind of long. It's not really the sort of compact shot that you like from NBA 3. I'm not saying you won't be able to get there. He's still an excellent free throw shooter as well. He got to the foul line for 27 attempts in his six games. Overall, wasn't very efficient, even though he had some big scoring games as well. 53% true shooting, but it, I thought he definitely makes some tough shots, and that's it. That's an ability. That's a skill. He's got a high release. He's got that Dirk fadeaway. He can fade over his left shoulder as well. Showed a couple of nice up and under moves as well when he would back guys down in the post. I just want to see what else he has to his game than that i think in terms of explosiveness he had a couple of okay dunks but when he had any kind of contact i wasn't encouraged with how he was able to finish 
excellent rebounder, though. I was really impressed with the way he's able to high point the ball with his long arms. I, I'm very curious to see how he's going to get used. You know, I it didn't really, I was encouraged in the sense that, you know, the things that he was supposed to be good at, like, you know, making bad long twos, he was actually pretty good at. He created those shots and made them. Also, by the way, when uh, I've said this uh, on Twitter too, I think that he's going to be one of these guys where it's like, if he's got a bad defender on him, he can really kill him. And then if he's got a good defender on him, he's going to just be terrible. And actually, like we saw that Donovan Mitchell guarded him in the second half of their game in Utah and just completely took him out of the game. Like he couldn't even get the ball. Mitchell was getting into him. Tatum couldn't back down, contesting his jumper. Like Tatum could do absolutely nothing with Donovan Mitchell. But at least early on in, in his tenure, I think he is going to be a guy who will have, be able to have some easier matchups and, and maybe score a little bit and defensively you know I think he's he's projects to be more just kind of okay and something I want to watch with him both when his interactions because he'll presumably he'll come off the bench for a little while it's how that works and then also where does he fit into not not the Celtics hierarchy but the opposing team's defensive hierarchy considering the Celtics are going to go to this looks like approach where they're playing a bunch of guys that are about the same size so if he's playing with Gordon Hayward Gordon Hayward's obviously getting a better defender than he is so he can take advantage of that a lot just like Andrew Wiggins can with Jimmy Butler there now and so how that works for him moving forward will be worth watching but he needs to be good enough to just murder those matchups and then that'll lead to some people saying oh my god he's the greatest thing ever but I'm I'm encouraged by a lot of what I saw with him and his IQ kind of more broadly makes me think that eventually they can wean some of the bad stuff out who do you think plays more this year him or Jalen Brown Jalen why because I think he fits in better in the immediate with what they're doing and I think he knows defensively where he's going and that sort of part of it at better at this point and so that's going to lead Stevens to playing him more in the immediate yeah I think they can also believe more in Braun's defense especially against twos although Braun's defense is still you know a little shaky as far as I'm concerned he might be better actually against smaller players at this point in his career uh, than than power players few smaller notes on some other guys uh Abdel Nader who signed a four-year deal worth six million I think he's got some non-guarantees on the end of that he was drafted late in the second round by them last year played in Maine this year was one of the better players in the D-League he gets to the rim all the time he's got a nice spin move which you know might not be NBA ready those spin moves don't work as well in the NBA as they do it at some of the lower levels his jumper looked a little iffy that's something that he's going to need to be able to do is, is hit some jump shots but look to have improved his athleticism since last year and has got some bounce in the lane can get to the foul line so I liked what I saw from him he looks like an NBA player uh, we'll see how well he could fit into a larger ecosystem where he's not going to be a guy who has the ball in his hand creating can he hit open shots can he defend like that's gonna be the question but he's was able to really look good at times uh as he did in last summer league and of course in the d-league i was not impressed with kadeem allen he did end up no, getting me a, neither a two-way he was supposed contract to be like he was supposed to be this awesome defender and i like, didn't see that at all it was true that the game that i remember the most for him was against the jazz and they they had a, a disturbingly strong group of guards in salt lake city they didn't bring all those guys to vegas but he just to me didn't look like he belonged and that can happen with a guy basically, you know, like a couple weeks after the draft that they just don't don't figure it out yet. But he d- he didn't look as good as I had hoped as and I'd seen a fair amount of him as a Pac-12 guy, but I, I didn't love it. He's 24 already. I mean, you just expect like, all right, this guy's going to be wowing you defensively. And I thought that he just, you know, he wasn't really pressuring up. He wasn't getting over screens. He didn't have appear to have elite physical tools didn't really see it with him and then Demetrius Jackson you mentioned how he got released it was a weird time for him to be sure we didn't really see a ton from him that changed 
change my opinion one way or another on him. The Nets were fascinating because they actually played, except for D'Angelo Russell, of course, they actually played a lot of the guys who were of interest. But the concerning thing about that is, I would say, by and large, most of their guys that were of interest didn't necessarily impress. And for me, the way that starts is a guy that I was super high on in the draft and have fallen out a little bit with, which is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yeah, at this point, this now his third year, you're hoping that, hey, he can show some skill development. He had four points on 13 jump shots. And only took five catch and shoot jumpers. He was one out of five on those. So not really taking three pointers. He might be at the point where he's kind of giving up on that. Took a lot of the jumpers off the dribble where guys are just backing up off of him. Not a shot that he's going to be taking at the NBA level. He played more at the four. I would expect to see him play that there again, but he doesn't quite have the explosiveness of some of the guys of that ilk, you know, for like an Aaron Gordon type, for example, like he doesn't, few do, but he doesn't have anywhere close to that type of bounce. Like he's not getting up and dunking on people. I hope to see more athleticism from him. So I like, this is going to be a critical year for him now. And I saw very little to be encouraged by it about him to be honest again summer league maybe not his game he could be a solid defensive player at times but i mean even if you're going to assume that he is that you don't know if he's like a game-changing defensive player and the offense just looks like it's going to continue to be a major problem the offense becomes even more concerning because he's not that smothering defensive player that i'd hoped for where you know you put him on a guy and maybe he's not gonna you know go scoreless or anything like that but he'll have a bad night i don't feel that way not only because of summer league but because of the regular season last year he still can get better but i i wouldn't be penciling him into a forward spot and just saying okay we're, we're good with that even as the nets you you still give him the chance and i i certainly believe that he can become better than he is right now another guy who was disappointing relative to what i liked about him in the regular season was karis lavert who was their first round pick last year didn't play in summer league last year and he wasn't terrible but he didn't pop the way that you expect a talented player who was in their second year too. You know, I disagree with that, actually. I mean, he, he shot it poorly on three. He was four out of 23, but I thought just watching him, he looked like I wanted him to look. He had some moves off the pick and roll. He's not, he's more of a smooth athlete than a really explosive guy at the rim, but he was able to get where he wanted on the floor. I mean, he showed some versatility to his jump shot, even if it didn't necessarily go in a lot. And he's able to create shots. I liked his passing in the pick and roll. He also had some nice plays against switches where he was able to, to get to the rim. So he wasn't incredibly efficient, but I thought he had some nice games and I wasn't, I didn't feel any higher or lower about him after this. I thought it, he kind of did what I expected him to. It's just his three ball didn't go in. Well, so what I'll clarify, the part that was disappointing to me is that with Levert, especially with a guy who's going to play, who's going to be defended by non-point guards is, can they do what they're trying to do against the better competition than the guys they're facing now. So I think they need to create more separation, need to be able to do it because there is just such a massive step up if you're going to play in an NBA rotation, whether that's starter or reserve. And I didn't see that kind of undeniability from him that I that I wanted to. I agree with you that the jump shot hitting or missing, I didn't see anything structurally that make to make me really concerned with that. But I like to see more kind of, I mean, of course it's to an nth degree, but like what Brandon Ingram did, where it's just like these guys can't figure him out. That's always what I want to see in a second year guy. And when Whenever somebody shows signs but isn't really quite there, I get a little bit disappointed. Spencer Dinwiddie, just a quick note on him. He's older, obviously. I really liked the explosiveness that he showed off the dribble. That's something, you remember, he tore his ACL right before the draft in college. I liked what I saw from him. I thought he was showed a little bit more bounce, a little more juice off the dribble as well, explosion finishing at the basket. 
didn't shoot it great. It didn't take a lot of threes either. They had a lot of guys who were handing the ball. I mean, it was him and Levert and Isaiah Whitehead as well, all playing together. So he didn't have a, a ton of opportunities necessarily, but I thought just visually, he's a guy who I'd watched, you know, at D-League showcases and summer league and some in the NBA. I didn't watch a ton of nets down the end of last year, but he showed a little bit more pop than I expected because he always just seemed like, all right, kind of a steady guy. He's tall, but he doesn't really do anything well and got to the basket better than I expected. So maybe just a little bit of reason for hope there. Archie Goodwin didn't see much to change my opinion on him didn't shoot the ball that well missed a bunch of layups inside he he can get there he can't finish that's the book on him uh jared allen didn't play due to an injury and then uh isaiah whitehead is someone who is somewhat of an interesting guy i think the statistical resume for him in his first year was very poor he had a few flashes just visually what are your thoughts on him at this point i think there's a chance that he can be a rotation player the aggressiveness that he can play with at moments is something i really enjoy and can get teams off guard there's something a little bit Dion waitersy about him that i enjoy because he's just bigger in that frame and i like that but i don't trust his jump shot yet and also the other criticism that i had of waiters as a prospect was that he doesn't really have the ability to take advantage of that bowling ballness to pass to other guys i think he can get that and i think he has a kind of a better sense maybe than waiters did at the same age but to be a capable nba player offensively much less the defensive end you have to be able to not only get buckets your that way but when a team you know sends another guy to you to make the right decision and and deal with that i thought waiters is interesting if you think of him as kind of the Dion waiters as point guard. i don't think he has that type of length uh but does have that bowling ball body he can get to the rim struggles to finish there a little bit we didn't see as you mentioned a ton of advanced passing in the pick and roll he had operating as a primary point guard he had was averaging three assists a game in summer league generally likes to just go hard with his right hand to the rim and then maybe spin back left if he gets cut off he's not blowing by guys he's kind of getting a guy on his hip using his shoulder to create space I think that his jumper is something that still needs some work he didn't take very many three-pointers at all he was five out of 17 and he takes kind of this set shot that takes a while to get off he's not really comfortable spotting up in particular he most mostly will take those shots off the dribble and he shot under 30 percent from three his first year with the nets i mean to really be because he's got to find a way to get more efficient and hitting the three-pointer is probably the best way to get there but at this point he's kind of just a guy who's aggressive who creates shots and they don't really go in let's uh, take a quick break here oh yeah go ahead sorry no no that's fine all right i mean do you want to talk about isaiah whitehead or should we make no i was going to transition into charlotte but we're transitioning into one of our wonderful advertisers instead yes uh helix sleep helix sleep.com slash cap space is your url to get fifty dollars off a really comfortable mattress the mattress that i in fact sleep on and i slept on it actually before they were even a sponsor of the show i liked the product so much that i actually got in touch with them i dm their company twitter account and asked them if i could sponsor them and we we're able to work out a deal that was uh, almost two years ago now and they have remained a steadfast sponsor of the show one of our earliest supporters 
What makes Helix Sleep better is it's not one size fits all. There are other mattress delivery companies who have a larger marketing presence than Helix Sleep that tells you that, oh, if we just, we have the perfect mattress for you and everyone else at the same time. Well, I tried one of those companies before I got Helix Sleep. Didn't work out for me. I had to return it. Both my girlfriend and I got back pain. But Helix Sleep has been different because they actually fill out their two to three minute questionnaire and they will customize it for you. And it has been the most comfortable mattress that I have slept on. I had it for, as I mentioned, for two years now, still in as good a shape as the day we got it. Just love the product. HelixSleep.com slash Capspace is your URL. That'll get you that $50 off. Once again, HelixSleep.com slash Capspace. Charlotte was a little bit of a disappointment just because Malik Monk didn't play. I mean, that whole Orlando Summer League was kind of kind of boring, frankly, uh, but we caught up on it. Dwayne Bacon was the big star there. The big thing that he was able to do is create shots in the mid-range off of pick and roll he had 24 points on 18 pick and roll possessions also like to attack in transition not explosive particularly uh but he was 10 out of 15 on jumpers off the dribble in pick and roll that's what he wants to do is shoot the ball he was not passing the ball out of pick and roll i mean he's not because he's pulling up for the jumper he's not creating the kind of pressure on the defense to draw a double team to make that pass and only three times did it passes out of pick and rolls result in a shot but you know he made those uh bad long twos go in he likes a fadeaway going to his right he can also hit it going to his left he's got some versatility he also got to the foul line pretty well didn't really take many threes he only took 10 he was two out of 10 uh, but so most of his efficiency to the extent it existed overall his stats were okay 51 percent true shooting really low assist percentage as we said especially because he had 24 percent usage never turns it over though that's one nice thing when you're getting into the mid-range for jumpers off the pick and roll you're not putting yourself in situations where you can throw it away and also never passing helps out too <laughs> for not turning it over um you know i don't it remains to be seen whether he could be efficient at the nba level shooting the type of shots that he did uh, and he wasn't that efficient even in summer league did you get a chance to see much of him at all i did not i, I still think of him as the guy who took shots away from Jonathan Isaac at, at Florida State. <laughs> and, he, you know, he in some ways he was kind of that guy here. And I, I did like, though, that he had the opportunity to show as much as he did just because Monk didn't play. And I feel like in many ways they kind of occupy the same space, but Monk is way better at it. So Yeah, shoots threes, way more athletic. Um, I mean, I think actually Bacon is better off the dribble than sure. Monk is. Like, yeah, he, he's better he off the dribble, but in spots. terms of yeah. you don't really need two of those guys unless one of them can and start on in your rotation and you know i think i think monk is probably going to be better right now but it's bacon you know second round pick they guaranteed his first year i'm fine with that yeah he's just not that athletic and at six four i think if you put any type of length on him it could cause him big problems but you know he knows how to manipulate the defense use a screen get open for his jumper uh so i think he had an okay summer league it's just the theory of him is something that i'm not quite convinced on yet is if he can get to be a better passer or a better shooter from three then maybe i might start to come around a little bit the other guy that charlotte played a fair amount was briante weber sort of a journeyman point guard at this point to me the hope was that we're going to see something to make it look like he could be more of a backup but him only one of eight from three solid passer okay you know mid-range type guy i feel like he's still more in that third point guard realm which is pretty much after 
after signing Michael Carter Williams where the Hornets see him as well. Yeah, still obviously a huge force defensively, one of the best steal rates in professional basketball history. But other than that, it doesn't really do a ton. It didn't show great vision. He's not that great of a finisher at the rim unless he's really wide open in space. Did get the brace off from that devastating ACL injury he suffered in college finally. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the three-point shooting, the volume just not there still that has to be part, become a part of his game and it's not ready to move on to the bulls oh i'm sure chicago fans are just champing at the bit for this one let's start with lowry markinen markinen their lottery pick this year his best game was his first game i thought that he showed a better kind of court sense offensively he ended up being in the right place at the right time a couple times for tip dunks and you know his his three-pointer is very good for a guy his size i don't think it's just perfect or anything I'm not going to to gush over it in that way but overall what we saw is something similar to expectations where offensively you know his jump shot has to go in and defensively he's going to get exploited a lot yeah he was able to help the offense especially when he played center but obviously that brings its own defensive problems for him struggled on the defensive glass which was a disappointment I mean I guess not a disappointment because I kind of expected that but he had an okay defensive rebound rate but there are just a lot of sequences where guys just kept getting rebounds and playing volleyball over his head against him I think his jumper he certainly is comfortable taking them coming off of screens to take them taking them and pick and pop a little bit of a flatter shot than I might have preferred out of NBA 3 and didn't look quite as pure as I would have hoped struggles to shoot going to his right at all he puts the ball on the deck he goes left that's things that we knew coming out of college didn't see much in the way of passing either from him he was able to roll to the basket and finish some dunks not in impressive fashion but he at least can get there he shot six out of 25 on threes but at least one nice thing was that every jumper that he took was a three so that's nice I think that having him take as many threes as possible play a lot of pick and pop and and he created space for his guards especially when he's playing center if they tried to ice the guards guys like Cameron Payne for example one of the few flashes that Payne showed was they would try to ice him the big would would be sticking to Markinen and then Payne could just go right into the room so he definitely has an effect with his shooting people respect his shooting it's just it's very difficult for me to see the star upside with Markinen and we didn't really see at all him do much other than just try and spot up or maybe attack off a closeout we didn't see him get the ball in the post against smaller defenders and and try to go to work create shots on his own and I think if you're going to take a player like him at number seven your hope has to be that he can be a guy who can create some shots for you we didn't see that aspect of his game and overall about 21% usage, not amazing. Blocked a couple of shots, but again, not a guy who projects as a plus rim protector. Dan Feldman can put on his earmuffs right now. A big reason why I was critical of Henry Ellenson and why I'm not the biggest fan of his in the world is that I think that to be a stretch big man in the league right now, the best way to do so is to be a five. And that means that you have to hold up at least at a basic level defensively. And to me, the guys who can't do that just are not super valuable. You know, if there are four, now we're getting into the point where a lot of smaller power forwards are out there. Those guys, you know, if you put a wing on Lowry Markinen, you know, like a kind of a bigger, bigger type guy, I don't think that Markinen's going to just eat him for lunch or anything like that. And so if those guys can't play center, it's a lot harder to really maximize their value. And Markinen is better, you know, as an offensive player than Ellenson is by a, by a 
significant margin, but it's the same problem. And when you draft a guy seventh overall, you're doing that not only because you think they're going to be a starter in the league, but you think that they're going to create a competitive advantage that you can maximize. And it's far too early to say he can't do that, but my expectations of it are lower. I mean, I will say this, you know, he shot very poorly, only 30% from the field, 24% from three. It's good to see him get up 25 three-point attempts in three games. He sat oh, absolutely. out with a bruised toe the last, I mean, that, like that, that at least it's like, all right, he's getting shots up, you know, he's yeah, his getting ro- open. His role was, was what you hoped for. And there are a lot of guys in summer league who that's not true for. The rest of, uh, as much as we talked about marketing, and he had a couple of 20 point, he had two 20 point games. And then the one game, he was like one out of 12 from three or something. So I think he I he was at two that pretty game. decent games. It was yeah. bad. That was the game where nobody on the Bulls, I think they shot, it was something like four of they missed their first. They missed their first 18 three-point attempts, I think yeah, I remember seeing on Twitter. Ridic- it was God completely it ridiculous. And speaking of completely ridiculous, Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne did not look good. I, it, it's There are certain thresholds that you meet of like, do they belong? Do they like, do they pop? Do they like all, the, all those kind of things? If you hadn't known his profile, for the most part, watching him, you would you wouldn't have thought oh this guy's on a guaranteed rookie scale contract yeah, he just, he looks like a guy out there athletically, and that's a major problem. Like, he's at a disadvantage physically. I mean, even at this level, he didn't look like, he wasn't creating separation. You know, he's not quicker than the guy who's guarding him. He's not bigger than the guy who's guarding him. He's not stronger than the guy who's guarding him. He doesn't have more moves than the guy who's guarding him. So I really don't see at this point, like, how he's going to become a successful rotation player. I mean, he only played two games, then he left for personal reasons, although pretty disastrous there 2 of 12 from 3 9 of 26 from the field overall seven turnovers in two games only five assists i mean he's never really shown much vision either and then defensively he's, he's a liability so it's really he's showed a little bit more with the right hand but not much uh not explosive finishing at the really the only time he had one really nice euro step in transition and then he had a couple of decent layups when larry marketing just created the space for him as i alluded to and that was about it it just it really is a struggle for him and and i don't see that changing anytime soon this is his third year now like third year dudes are supposed to be killing i feel like we should do bad and then good for the bulls if we can get the numbers about right so let's antonio blakeney ended up signing a two-way contract with them looked better than i expected you know a little bit a little bit bouncier can can get can get to the places where he can score a little bit i worry about him defensively at least a little bit for right now but totally worth a two-way contract in fact i think maybe he could have done better than that yeah he he's got some bursts to get into the paint didn't do a ton passing the ball that's certainly true he only had two assists as opposed to 48 field goal attempts but he did shoot it extremely well from three nine of 14 not quite as impressive from two but looked like an nba athlete out there maybe the hope is that he could develop into like a jordan crawford marcus thornton type of guy you know i think he he showed some impressive explosiveness off of one foot has some bursts to get into the paint so i like what i saw from him at his size he's gonna have to get to be a better passer he's not really someone i think that i expect to defend shooting guards pretty well because he is a little undersized there but for a guy who came in without any kind of a rep uh, good job by him 
Okay, we can swing back the other way with Denzel Valentine. Denzel Valentine, just, I at this point, it's hard for me to see how it works in the NBA for the next little while. You know, maybe he could be a guy that goes to Europe, figures out how he can succeed against these level athletes and comes back, but I don't see how he creates separation and how he maximizes it. 41 jump shots, six runners, seven layups, and the jumper did not go in. I think he could be a quality spot-up shooter. I think he showed that at times in his rookie season, and he, of course, was set back by injuries but you mentioned creating separation there's this idea that he is a quality passer and i think he is it's just he can't actually again draw the defense to him to get somebody open that then he can pass it to him right like he's you can switch him extremely easily he can't get to the rim he doesn't have explosion to finish at the rim he's got an okay floater game but those aren't going to be efficient just i mean he's not even really able to get open for his floater either you know and doesn't quite have the advanced ball handling to like get guys on his back out of pick and roll and operate that way and that's his offense too defensively he is lacks the physical tools to really be a guy who makes a ton of impact he's a smart player but not a guy who can guard any any of the even close to the best players on the other team so at this point at the nba level he's a spot-up shooter maybe your hope is that at least he can become a guy who you throw it to him now he can drive off of a closeout and and kind of like the way joe ingles will play in utah where he gets into the lane he's patient can kind of do a euro step maybe find someone else because you have to guard him at some point before he gets to the rim but i just i don't really see the theory of how he's really supposed to succeed as a rotation guy i mean unless you're just going to see him as a shooter and he doesn't he doesn't have the type of versatility shooting the ball to really be just a shooter you know he can hit spot ups okay but he doesn't have a crazy quick release he's not going to like come off of screens shoot off the hop just bounce up get the ball out of his hands quickly make you switch if he comes off a pick you know he's just kind of standing there and he's open and he shoots it and maybe he'll make those shots what did you see i'll let you talk first on chris dunn uh yeah i was going to talk but then i'll let you talk yeah dunn only played one game he hit i think a couple of threes or at least looked okay taking him maybe that part of his game could start to come around at some point i'm skeptical there he he had to leave for personal reasons he's a quality defender he made life difficult on dennis smith i think he's always going to be a solid defensive player he's got a lot of length but this idea and and i think the contrast with smith is a very interesting one because dunn coming out of school was supposed to be one of these incredibly athletic point guards right like a guy who's just can explode off the dribble get to the rim finish over bigger players get to the foul line and draw the defense and and then set guys up and he's just not that type of guy when you watch him yeah he gets into guys defensively he has length but he's not just like popping off the floor you know he's not creating separation off the dribble he doesn't have an incredibly advanced handle either and so if he's not just an unbelievable athlete which he was kind of everyone kind of thought he was supposed to be and i never quite saw if he's not that then you know he's a backup point guard and seeing him in person did nothing to dispel me of any of those notions i had coming up it was only one game obviously but seeing him in person you can kind of get a better feel for like the type of pop someone has and there i mean you even if you just go back and look at his highlights like the number of like wow athletic plays that he made over the course of the year with the timberwolves when he played plenty and then in, in that summer league game i mean he had one drive where he kind of had to throw throw it up felt contact but that was more just like you know he wasn't getting off the ground there he just was kind of throwing it up there and and got lucky on the finish 
And if he ended up being something akin to maybe like a slightly lower end version of Marcus Smart, and then you could say that there's variance on him to go go in either direction, that's not a bad player. It's just not worth being the centerpiece of a or one of the centerpieces of a Jimmy Butler trade. And so I think he could, you know, his reputation could in some ways be hurt by that. But in a way, that's kind of the sunk cost problem of you, you know, you just treat a guy for what he is. It doesn't matter what you got him for. I don't think we need to say much on Zipser. He only played in one game. I mean, he's basically one of their only true like threes or forwards on the roster i still think that he's better at the power forward than the three but i th- i think his defense will be interesting and we'll just have to see whether his jump shot goes in let's get to cleveland k felder a guy who always seems to look better than his actual statistical line ends up being he took a lot of bad contested jays I mean, this wasn't a cleveland team that had a lot of guys who could create necessarily they had brandon paul who actually ended up on the spurs with uh I think, what, did he get one year guaranteed on the Spurs? He did. Yeah, at the minimum. I One thing encouraging for Felder was he showed more finishing with his right hand. He even tried some right-handed floaters, which are difficult shots. When he got into the basket, he, he was able to finish with the right. That was good to see because last year he was just all left hand. And I mean, at his size, you damn well better have a right hand. He's got that strong body. He can kind of bounce off guys to finish a little bit. The three-pointer was not falling. He was only two out of 15 on threes, not creating a ton for his teammates either only 3.5 assists and when you have 32 percent usage you hope to get a little bit more even if it is a low assist environment but he was better in the g league ah we got to start saying g league now uh, last year in a few games with can he was 20 out of 55 from three so he, he makes things happen he can get into the lane he also was kind of rushing his jump shot from outside i felt as well and overall he shot uh nine out of 35 on jumpers and only six out of 15 around the room so he's able to create shots it's just a question of making them go in and i mean this is the theory of him uh, on a good team still you know it's very difficult to imagine him once again making a contribution with Cleveland because they don't need guys who can create inefficient shots they need guys who can finish the shots that others create and that's not something that he really I think has much of a facility for doing at this point and then he's going to be a liability defensively at his size who knows they might have a need for that in the 2018-19 season <laughs> and then the uh, other Eddie guy, Tavares yeah, yeah. The, Tavares was I, I think that it's hard sometimes to separate because he was successful in certain elements of summer league especially that game against the warriors actually where they just couldn't figure out what to do with him he's just he's big and they were sometimes they would try to drive into him and he wasn't committing fouls he was impacting shots both blocking them and affecting them which is what you want a big dude to do but i don't know how that works and this i guess you could tie it in with k felder that i don't think that works on the biggest stages at this point and cleveland using roster spots on players that aren't particularly relevant in the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals feels like a waste to me. Yeah, Tavares, you mentioned that Golden State game. The plan is is to get him in pick and pop. I mean, he's, as KP would say about Boban, a bit of a curio. He will run the floor hard, but in terms of his mobility in the half court, like he can't get out of any kind of shooting center. And Damian Jones, in that game you were talking about, took three jumpers early, didn't make any of them, and then stopped taking them. And then uh, Willie was just, uh, or Eddie, I guess, was just hanging out around the basket and causing major problems and i know like they were i talked to someone in their coaching staff he said yeah they're really happy with what he was able to do defensively but you mentioned again him playing at the highest level i'm not going to say that he's not an nba player i think one of the problems that he has though offensively was not able to be effective in the post four out of 14 had a high turnover rate as well and i think he also isn't really mobile enough to get into position to get good finishing opportunities he's not can't really get up for alley-oops despite his size can't really move along the baseline to the open spot get open and catch and finish with a dunk 
He did make one catch and shoot jumper for about 17 that looked pretty smooth, but doubt he's going to be a three point shooter either. So I think he he was successful at the things that we thought that he could do. He's improving as a rim protector, blocks a lot of shots, but outside of being a shot blocker, maybe getting on the offensive glass, tough to find a role for him. He'll probably hang around for a while, you would think, just because of his size, but especially on teams that are be competing at the highest levels like the Cavs, hard to see him having much of a role. A guy that will definitely have a lar- large role, Dennis Smith Jr., ninth pick in the draft, and he wasn't perfect. I mean, there were there were elements of, of his game, especially his jump shot, that were a little bit concerning, but his athleticism, his motor were just impressive to me, and it was, it was what I hoped for, and it was what I expected. He looked even better than I thought he would, and you know that I was obviously very high on him. I thought the jump shot was looked pretty good uh, overall 58 percent true shooting he was nine out of 26 on threes they were playing with a very space floor so that helped him quite a bit doubt but dallas is going to play with a very space floor during the regular season as well and he hit like a couple of step back threes like his threes were, were not all easy attempts he kept the defense honest and then if you go over the screen now you're in big trouble he's going to get to the rim he also showed nice ability in isolation to just get by his man without a screen or on a switch as well 44 free throw attempts in six games that was very impressive also playing 26 minutes a game and he had 25 assists which i thought actually undersold the way he passed the ball he was considered as we talked about by some to just be kind of an average capable playmaker i thought he was beyond that especially seeing him at the lower levels i mean when he was a junior at adidas nations he was averaging like 12 assists a game and he was setting guys up for open threes that they were just missing a ton so i thought the five assists a game actually really understated what he was able to do passing wise the one disappointment shot selection was not amazing he took some tough long twos uh with guys that were a little too contested a little bit early in the shot clock i didn't like that but i did like his ability to get in the lane and do something in the mid-range without getting all the way to the rim he showcased a nice move we would dribble hard right up fake and then was able to stop on a dime turn back left and even beat bigs with that move and hit like a short jumper in the lane gets great elevation on his shot and he also just about ended guys a couple of times on dunks where he ended up getting fouled well yeah the one on josh jackson was insanely impressive and also i like dennis smith just the way that he the, goes the, like the insanely impressive miss dunk on well, josh jackson, the josh jackson clear, one yeah. was an insanely impressive miss dunk when the whole thing occurred after the whistle it was basically just it yeah. was all it was all a cherry on top of, of whipped cream on top of everything else. And I, I sort of like that in him. And what worries me a little bit, I, I said about his jump shot, is just I, the idea of if you can turn him into an isolation or a pick and roll scorer as opposed to a passer. And really, that's one of the key competitive advantages right now in the league. You can think about Curry. You can think about Dame Lillard. Those guys who you can't give them that space as a shooter. You can't give Smith that space as a driver because he's already going to kill you with that and he's so quick but he he's a little comfortable taking those shots and he's not great at him so if he can tighten that up he becomes a monster but he's already insanely good his ability to change speeds was impressive he had a few plays where he would come off the screen get the guy in his back put him in jail and then was able to explode to the rim or force help from the big as well uh, his finishing was just wonderful. Like he bounces off guys, he gets to the foul line, he's able to double pump and get around left hand, right hand. And one of 
like I, I tweeted that his games are must see TV. Like he, I think is one of the most exciting players to come into the league in a long time, just from a purely aesthetic standpoint. Would you agree with that? Sure. And the fact that he's ambitious enough to try some stuff makes him even more fun. And yeah, I mean, Dallas is going to be fascinating to watch this year. And also I think it ties in with the next guy that figuring out what the heck they're going to do with the guard positions is going to be a challenge because they now have just a lot of different guys who can play, who do different things. And Yogi Ferrell was fine. I didn't, see anything that made me fall in love with him more. I thought it was a wonderful success story. But now that they have Dennis and Wes Matthews and Seth Curry and presumably still J.J. Beret and Devin Harris for some reason... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have to do something else to, to make yourself stand out. And Yogi's a good player. I think he d- deserves a place in the league, but he's going to need to really show it to get minutes on Rick Carlisle's team, except for when Carlisle gets pissed at Dennis Smith and m- marginalizes him. Yeah, I would expect that Smith may not play that many minutes as well. And they're going to try and keep his minutes down a little bit early in his career. Farrell, to me, his value is almost entirely dependent on his ability to shoot three-pointers. He shot 40% on threes in Dallas. He was good. Shot 29% on threes in Brooklyn. He was bad. He was 11 out of 33 on threes in the summer league 27 out of 71 overall not a guy who can really get to the rim and finish sets guys up but he's not an amazing passer he does have a very versatile jump shot he can take step backs he can take threes when the defense goes under i'm a little skeptical he can keep shooting 40 percent on threes if he is he's a, a solid backup point guard if he doesn't, then, you know, he's a little fringier. Yeah, I, th- I think that's about right. I don't really have much else to add. The The other two guys who started, I guess they started at the forward positions for most of the Mavericks Summer League, Nicholas Brusino and Dorian Finney-Smith. I thought Brusino looked better than I expected and Finney-Smith looked a little bit worse. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Brusino is a guy that I just, I saw a little bit of. I liked it, his shooting. He grew, It's it looked like, and I mean, he might be like 6'9", 6'10", now. Like, he yeah, it looked big out there played a lot at the four three or four whether you want to call it him or finney smith the four got out he had 25 percent defensive rebound rate and a zero percent offensive rebound rate which was kind of interesting but he shot 12 out of 30 on threes he's got a high arcing three-pointer with a high release due to his height now still pretty skinny and at 24 older than maybe you think he is he also missed a, a fair amount of easy layups inside like smith in particular set him up by the way smith we didn't see too much in terms of the bad body language that you saw at nc state every once in a while when like yogi farrell would just be like kind of dribbling the air out of the ball and smith was hot and he was open he would kind of get a little bit a little bit pissy about it uh but but back to brusino it's just we'll see whether he can defend or not i think he could be a quality the option shooting the ball you know maybe he could end up being kind of a mike dunleavy type but he doesn't do as much with the ball in his hands or passing he's operating more as a cutter spot up guy here but a guy i think he, he looked didn't look out of place as an nba guy i think he, he's got he's worth keeping around not someone i would expect to contribute but it wouldn't shock me if he did and then uh dfs uh dorian finney smith this is the closest we'll ever come to discussing daily fantasy on this site by the way uh he just can't shoot. I think it's that's becoming pretty clear. And until he can, I think he's going to be a guy who kind of flames out because, I mean, he started a lot of the year. He had a couple of hot months. 
shooting the three ball, but overall ended the year below 30%. And then this year in summer league, it was horrendous. Sure. He's, I, I think he has more defensive capability than he showed. He does play with some, some effort on that end, but you have to do more to be a, to be a player at this point. So yeah, I mean, worthwhile to have, to have a gamble on him, but I wouldn't like pencil him in as a piece of the rotation moving forward. Guy that I liked a lot, who was actually starting at center for them. Well, here, let, I, let me, let me give you some of these stats here on DFS sure. also five out of 26 on threes in the summer league and he was just like turning down wide open shots to like every single one of his threes was wide open that was one of the ones where like dennis smith just like kept setting him up for a wide open three and he just couldn't make them and that was with like turning down a lot of shots as well so i mean you imagine how opening was he shot 23 percent from the field overall it was improvement though again because he was uh four of 25 uh on threes last year i think uh Oh, no, I'm sorry. He was 425 overall, 16%. So he was up to 23% this year. And then when he would try to drive the lane, we saw a lot of turnovers, not that explosive. I mean, he's got a strong body, some length, which enables him to defend, but he's not really able to do much off the dribble either. So I, I do think that we may look back on last year as the high point of his NBA career, unfortunately. Then the last guy was actually starting at center for them, though I don't think he can be an NBA 5, Brandon Ashley. I liked him. I mean, seems to me like a kind of low-end gamble on a on a roster you know 14th 15th spot but maybe he figures it out and he's okay for that yeah jonathan motley also played a little bit who oh that's right discussed slightly um and he looked good shooting the three looked versatile shooting the three uh he ran the floor hard and finished he's able to switch some you know you just look at him he's like okay you know this guy's pretty long he could be kind of a modern four but the limitation i mean number one you don't know whether his three-point shooting will would continue to hold up you know not a guy who was known as a shooter early in his career and then he's not as explosive as you'd like to see it right like I mean, he's got kind of a similar body type to someone we'll talk about later who really impressed us jonah bolden but doesn't have that type of bounce a lot of times you know he would come down the lane get the pass and it would just be a finger roll you know or you really would hope that if he's and you know if, if he had that type of athleticism he probably would be in the league still so it's not maybe not fair to him to, to say all right you know uh, he was less explosive than expected but he's gonna either need to continue to really hit threes or he's gonna and I don't think he is gonna get more explosive at this point so that's really what's gonna have to happen for him is to become like a very reliable three-point shooter I think to, to stick in the NBA but he showed some things in terms of his ability to shoot switch defensively that I did like and then uh, Motley did you see much of him at all Danny I saw him a few times I he didn't really stay stand out to me I didn't I wasn't watching at the time because I was we were in Utah but he did hit the game-winning shot in Orlando Summer League which is kind of fun but he you know kind of a guy who tries to grind it out a little bit on the glass on on both ends but I didn't see him affecting shots defensively as much as I wanted to like I think that's kind of what if you're going to be an energy big that's what kind of what what you need to do but I'd be fine giving him like a two-way contract and just seeing if he can figure it out this year and that is, in fact, what he has gotten with right. Dallas or will get. I'm not, I'm not sure, as has been reported. Yeah, he looks like a D-League center to me in a lot of ways. Maybe a team like Dallas can find a spot for him on the second unit, but doesn't quite have the pop to get up for alley-oops offensively. Statistically, 
did try to stretch it out to three took four attempts there but doesn't shoot it well from the foul line and he had eight blocks in 10 games so you see again he's not a guy who is really that explosive uh only shot 50 percent as well i wanted to see more from him in terms of his ability to finish around the basket so yeah like i said i mean he kind of looks like a d-league center to me at this point i will get on to denver here momentarily but first and yes we are doing a third ad but since we're giving you like a two-hour podcast hopefully you're amenable to that this from lyft i actually have been a customer of lyft since 2013 and lyft strives to be a great place to work they're the ride-sharing company that believes in teaching teaching no teaching yes and treating its people better they have offered tips since their inception at least since i've been using the service which is something that gives them an advantage over other ride-sharing companies they also offer express pay if you want to drive for them it lets you get paid almost instantly instead of weeks later how else can you just work for a couple hours at a time if you have some free time if you have a purchase that you want to buy for your family if you want to pay for your kids braces or maybe that new couch or even just to get money for christmas presents something like that lyft is a way to use your free time and turn it into money nine out of ten lyft rides get a perfect five-star rating i've found their drivers to be in general friendlier than other ride sharing services and lyft wants you to join their team if you go to lyft.com, L-Y-F-T.com slash Capspace today, you can get a $500 new driver bonus. That's lyft.com slash Capspace, lyft.com slash Capspace, limited time only, terms apply. So let's start with uh, the apple of all of our eyes, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. What did you think of his summer league performance? I liked it. It reminded me a lot of why I enjoyed him in the first place, remembering back to last year's summer league. I think the, the element of him that gets underappreciated is his rebounding like he is a very good capable active rebounder for a stretch four and i enjoy that i think that's a part of for why, any four frankly, for any I'm, four I'm and that's why yeah. that's a, a big part of why i think he can work in the league is it's not just like oh he's shooting a bunch of jump shots but his jump shot is also good he shot was about 39 percent on threes is that about right in the summer league he was Nine out of 23 on three corners. Yeah, 39%. And he had a high usage as well, which I thought was encouraging, 26%. Operated more, I think, as he will have to this season. I don't like him as much as the three, but they're thinner there than they are at the four. So I think the plan is for him to play some more three. And I thought he looked good with his jump shot coming off of screens. He even came off a couple of DHOs as well and was able to pull up for threes. So his jump shot looked good. I mean, he shot very well on three corners this year i still worry a little bit because he gets his left hand involved in that shot he'll have some really bad misses at times he's very comfortable taking a lot of shots but i'm still a little skeptical that he's gonna be like this 39 percent, 40 percent type of three-point shooter just because like he'll have some bad misses i mean his record shooting the ball is solid but just visually i'm not as into it and you mentioned his rebounding he also showed some passing ability, just more stationary out in the perimeter, like finding guys on back cuts or coming off of screens. It was a struggle for him to make more complex plays off the dribble, though, when he drove in to find shooters when he was on the move. Uh, did have a couple of nice floaters coming across the lane anything else you wanted to add on on him at all not really i mean i think he's limited to the two dribbles and a good decision type thing but when you ask him to do more like if he's playing the three i'm a little bit concerned about that but that's just not the position he should play long term yeah i think that's right and he's showed some more mobility defensively as well but it's uh really the test is going to be when he gets into the nba season i think he 
did uh, i'm not encouraged or discouraged by his performance i would say i mean it would have been nice if he could just wow us i don't think he did that uh other than just the ability to get shots off which he showed but uh, and still hit a decent percentage but other than that i mean i wasn't just like so blown away with what he did i'm not really sure i mean the only thing what he would have had to do to do that was be like really do some stuff off the dribble so that probably isn't realistic for him so i mean he came here and did what he needed to do i'm not like feeling any worse about him it wasn't just like some well we really like opened our eyes to some new skill that he has so i don't think we've talked about this at all because we watched a lot of summer league games separately but the first time i saw tyler Lydon, i immediately went oh he's a small forward like not not in terms of his game but just in terms of his physical frame i like when you look at the measurements like on dx they have him at six nine and a half in shoes with a seven foot wingspan so that would lead you to believe oh he can play the four and maybe i was just wrong maybe i just see saw him differently maybe it's because of the guys he was playing with but that was the first thing that struck me was just he looked like a three to me that's interesting and a disastrous summer league for him by the way we'll get the stats out of the way nine percent usage and usually when you have a low usage you want to be efficient he shot four out of 20 and two of 15 on threes really was not able to create any shots wasn't a, a main guy on this team as well i also heard some rumblings that when they moved down in that trade with utah they were hoping that ananubi would be there at 24 and obviously he got picked 23 but by the raptors he had four blocks like his shot blocking is like kind of supposed to be a positive like that's the idea is like all right this guy can shoot and he can block some shots but just I and mean, whatever they were hoping he would be and he's going to be like 97th on their power forward depth chart this year anyway whatever they were hoping he would be he didn't show anything at all in summer league that's really all that i have to say about him at this point another guy who i would say he's more of a disappointment for me than for other people because he was so bad in europe last year peter cornelly french big man he has some tools i still think physically he has the ability to do it he just has to mentally like he has to become a little bit more of a grinder and just not be satisfied with some of the bad shots that are in his game and just work more on it but i'm not i'm not done on him but it's gonna take a little while he looks great out there right like he's seven foot he's mobile looks comfortable shooting threes he could take a mid-range jumpers a okay finisher around the rim get up for some alley-oops or tip dunks i mean he's not an explosive athlete but he's long enough and mobile enough that he can get into position and, and get some finishes and then you look down and he's you know he's got like a 500 true shooting percentage for his season in europe and, and just was inefficient again this year so i'm not ready to give up on him completely but it just at some point the ball's got to go in the basket for this guy even if he looks like really he sure looks like a basketball player out there but the performance has not been there and that continued in summer league this season i mean he you know he had like some plays where like you come off a screen and shoot a jumper at the free throw line uh and he can move his feet defensively it's just like he's gotta actually produce and and that just has not happened yet in his career malik beasley surprised me i expected him to be more of an athlete catch and shoot guy and he showed more off the dribble than i expected i'm not really sure where that takes him because i don't necessarily love him creating for other people or necessarily for himself inside the arc but it is nice to have that depth to his game yeah i mean he had a 30 percent usage he had one game where he was 12 out of 30 from the field i think it was against houston not a ton of assists as you mentioned shot 15 out of 37 on threes was able to create those shot attempts but never got to the foul he took 95 shots in the summer league and he was a mere six out of 12 from the foul line 
line, not able to finish in the lane, was able to create some shots there. But, you know, he had a lot of plays where you get to the basket and have three guys on him and not be able to find someone and throw a shot up and get it blocked. We saw a fair amount of that as well. I mean, I did like the way his jumper looked. He showed some more versatility to his jump shot. Being able to shoot off the dribble was encouraging. And he was another guy, as you mentioned, Leiden. Beasley, I felt like, okay, he's can be he's a solid two guard size, but he really is like a little shorter than that. I think he's almost more like combo guard size. He's like six four, not really that strong. You know, he looks like more of like a one two type of guy out there, just in, in the way that he's playing. And they have a lot of guys of that ilk. I think he could be a player still. I think he can get into guys, defend, but I think his the hope for him really is going to have to be more that he'll do his best work against the opposing team's ones defensively rather than someone who you know he's definitely not guarding threes at his size and more importantly even his heft so and even someone like James Harden I think would give him problems with his strength so I think he's going to need to be more of a guy who can pressure the ball kind of play in more of a KCP type of role than just a straight up wing defender but in terms of his ability to create shots that's a pleasant surprise that not something that was supposed to be in his arsenal so I think offensively you have to be encouraged whether he's going to be someone who you want doing that at the NBA level maybe not uh, but just in terms of his jump shot I think that that was encouraging for him then the last guy I think we need to discuss with Denver is Monty Morris they took him in the second round a statistical model favorite and I my read on him watched a couple of their games is that he's at this moment in that like good D league uh sorry G league and summer league type of point guard where he can create for other people don't really know how he's going to create for himself and he's going to have to show more in his game whether it's burst or shot making to really become an NBA player yeah the vision is the big appeal for him he had 25 assists looked very comfortable finding weak side shooters out of the pick and roll takes more of a set shot from three he was only one out of eight from three-point range and 22 of 44 from the field overall does not finish at the rim in the half court he's not athletic enough to do that had some shots blocked he's will take some floaters where at really kind of extreme range 15 feet or, or more don't know if the, that's gonna be an efficient shot for him probably not out of the pick and roll he shot only six out of 21 and wasn't able to finish at the rim he'll take a jump shot from the mid-range i think he plays with great pace great experience where he can get to defensively will be another question for him as well if he can be a quality option defensively that'll go a long way towards helping out i mean if you have a guy who can pass and can play some defense and he's got decent size for the point guard position you know that could be a backup point guard in the league and i think he also just has to get more comfortable shooting the nba three ball just not enough attempts for someone like him if you're not gonna be able to finish at the rim and you want to be a quality offensive player like he better be able to make the defense pay by going under and, and he's not at that point yet I'll add one piece of news just because it, it happened and we just talked about him. Tim McMahon tweeted that the Mavericks released Nicholas Brasino. <laughs> he could really be an NBA player, I swear. Just not for did the he Mavericks have an upcoming, right Did he have an upcoming It was today, date? yeah. Okay. So who knows? It's even possible maybe they could bring him back just on a more favorable timeline if, if things work out, but I don't know what he wants. But I, I liked him. I still think he can be a contributor. Yeah, I think he might be worth a, a waiver claim, although I'm not sure how many teams really have roster spots at this point. Brooklyn? Let's get to the Detroit Pistons here. Luke Kennard, he played absolutely as well as could have been hoped. He was really good coming off a screen i thought he just reads them well if the guy trails he was able to curl into the lane and make plays he's able to pull up in the mid-range for some very impressive shots one play that he made in overtime of that championship game against dallas 
type of footwork you very rarely see so if you can bear with me and imagine this here he drove towards the on the right side of the floor towards the baseline went into what would have been a step back to his right kind of got cut off there so then he pivoted on his right foot spun back towards the middle and you know obviously without dribbling because he picked up his dribble took a fadeaway over his right shoulder after initially going into a step back to his right he made it too is really impressive i mean he's able to get his jump shot off from a lot of different angles also had a, a play in that game against the mavericks where they were down three came off a screen on an out of bounds play at the top of the key and hit like a fadeaway three over two guys to tie it up i thought that he showed a high skill level creating off the dribble and mid-range with step backs using his body to create space not getting all the way to the rim necessarily a lot of the time but enough to keep keep the defense honest and can do kind of short range floaters from just outside the restricted area and just was able to create a lot of shots and to do so efficiently off the dribble he had 25 points on 26 jumpers off the dribble so that's a lot of shots to create and it was pretty effective with it and also continuing a trend from duke considering how many shots he created just absolutely never turns the ball over which is a, another real positive there and sammy gundy even said that his defense was like slightly better than he'd hoped so far and you could see that as damning with fame praise but i don't think so and imp- defense is important to, to stand so i like canard as somebody who the Pistons can use well and not only that but somebody that they need they need players who can create offense both on and off the dribble like that's just something they can they can use and yes they probably will be giving Avery Bradley the lion's share of minutes at shooting guard but I think Kennard can be a part of that solution it does make the signing of Langston Galloway even weirder just because like first of all they paid him too much but also I think that's kind of what they wanted from him and they got Luke Kennard on a rookie scale deal he can probably do that so I was very encouraged yeah, by the way, I saw I, I saw Langston Galloway's agent Mike Siegel at Summer League, and I just congratulated him. I was like, "Hey, that's a that's a great great contract." And I think, like, in some ways, isn't like, "Oh, your guy got a, a bad contract." Isn't that like the greatest compliment you can give an agent? Well, did you did <laughs> you? you I don't know if you saw it, but Jared Dudley went on a a Twitter not a Twitter rant, but it was a, a Twitter series about Mark Bartlestein and all these guys that are kind of mid range players that he's gotten a lot of money for. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's a really good point." You know, like all. The, all these players that you know i think i think hardaway is one of his clients too that have done really well and that's those are guys who be an agent is actually more important for on the basketball financial side now agents are important for higher end players more on the endorsement side because they can they can do a lot there and making sure they have the right opportunities and you know i think if a memory serves jonathan simmons was a bartlestein client and then let him go and you know i'm not saying that's the reason why it didn't work out but that's where agents make their money yeah we've given bj armstrong some shit on this program but he's done a great job with, with Draymond Green, for example, with his off the court stuff, right? Like Draymond has a lot more profile off the court than a lot of guys who are similar. Part of that is because Draymond is a very charismatic guy, but he's certainly done a, a really good job with him there. Uh, but so yeah, but back to Kennard, uh 48% shooting, 11 out of 23 on three pointers and 12 assists got some steals as well you know he's a smart player i think it, and as we mentioned never turned it over so i, I think it, very encouraging for him and now uh, another apple of your eye henry ellenson thanks ellenson i just think that there isn't really much of a place for him he's not a bad player like there are things that he does well shot made about a third of his three I think it was actually exactly a third one 11 to 33 and capable pick and pop big i think that he'll eventually be able to do well on switches but he didn't in orlando which is a concern 
considering second year, you know, that's when you're supposed to really get that kind of not necessarily killer instinct, but know how to attack. And defensively, I just don't really see where he is. Yeah, I watched a, a few of his possessions trying to match up with Okara White, who and Ellenson mostly played at the four. They were playing Eric Moreland at the five. And I haven't seen much to change my opinion on Ellenson. I think he showed some nice versatility in his jump shot in pick and pop, got a lot of three pointers off, which is good to see. But he didn't do one power move, right? I mean, he's he plays like a six six guy and he needs to do more power things. He can rebound okay, but it's offensively right like he'll get a guy on the switch and the first thing he wants to do is turn and face and shoot a fadeaway jumper like just put his ass in the goal like you weigh 250 and he just does not he doesn't have that in his game he's not gonna just go through guys and get to the foul line we saw very little of him getting to the foul line here he shot the ball better for sure also uh did not have a single blocked shot which you know you would like to see (laughs) uh in five games and his shot is still pretty flat you know i don't see him as being like is he gonna shoot 40 percent on threes in his career like he doesn't strike me as like that kind of guy i think he can create a lot of shots but are they really going to go in at the level where it's like all right this guy is just completely insane we got to guard him out here um so i mean he's got a really high skill level an impressive skill level impressive mobility offensively although he does he's not able to like blow by guys and get to the rim you know if he does try to put the ball on the floor and turn and face it and take a couple of dribbles he'll end up shooting like a bad floater that's not a good shot for him so that's the thing i really want to see him add to his game that i think he is capable of with his physical tools of just like all right i'm gonna get a switch and like now i'm just gonna kill you because i outweigh you by 50 pounds like we just didn't see enough of that from him and then defensively you know even guarding someone like carl white who played well you know he really doesn't have the length even if he can stay in front of guys he's somewhat similar like a a larry marketing in that way where I think he deserves credit for having gotten in a better shape and maybe can move his feet okay, but he doesn't have the length to affect the guy's shot the way you would hope, you know, most seven foot type of guys would. And so guys are able to get into position and, and go right up over him. I'm going to defer to you because you, I know you watch more of the Pistons Summer League than I did on on Michael Benjay and Eric Moreland. Well, Benjay, just especially at age 25, now you remember how old he was coming out of Syracuse. We've seen nothing in his statistical resume, either in the G League or in Summer League. Not 9 of 34 from the field, 6 of 20 on threes, only 13% usage. Another guy where if your usage is that low, you better at least be making the shots that you are taking. In 16 games in the D-League, only had 15% usage. Is a weak rebounder, very low assist percentage. I mean, it's just, and nobody's talking about him as being like some just like unbelievable defensive player. I mean, I'm sure he could be okay, but not, you know, if you were like, oh, ask someone who are the best defenders in the G League, his name wouldn't come up. So there's just nothing to indicate at 25 that he, you know, is even frankly worth a roster spot at this point. I mean, they've kept him around, but uh, it has not been a good, encouraging start to, to his career. And then Moreland, you remember he's bounced around for a long time uh kp made the joke that even though two-way contracts are new this year like eric moreland is seems like he's been on a two-way contract for the last three years anyway uh which he actually i think would be ineligible for now because he has more than three years of experience but nonetheless he mostly operated as a role guy he's got some decent feel for finishing another guy that i would kind of put in a similar category as motley where he's you know, kind of in between power forward and true center size, but not quite bouncy enough to where you're like, okay, this guy can make up for the fact that he's a little undersized at center. Did block some shots though. He averaged 2.8 blocks a game, which is encouraging. 
but I'm not sure that he, again, like his physical profile looks like kind of more of a D-League center type than an NBA center type. So we can move on to the Golden State Warriors. They had a series of, of guys that were actually worth watching, which is sort of unusual for an NBA champion. I mean, when you compare Cleveland, well, the best guy in Cleveland ended up signing somewhere else. But Damian Jones was one of the key points of this because he could uh, he had the upside of potentially being a part of their center rotation, downside of trying to sign another guy. I thought he looked okay. Definitely played with energy. You can get another reminder of his athleticism. He can move the court well, especially when he's when he's active. His recognition isn't all the way there, but I think that if you if you have him as your third center, even with the way the Warriors approach it, where they're not going to play either of their top two that much, you're okay with it. But you might just be looking for somebody else just in case. Yeah, I think they might as well give him a shot to get a few minutes here. He is mobile. I thought that the most impressive thing I saw from him was his ability to cover ground coming across the lane and block shots and when he can load up with his length and athleticism it's very impressive i mean he can just absolutely smother guys and give them no chance of getting a shot off in the lane if he really you know someone drives from the opposite side and he comes across the lane He can get some of these come out of nowhere blocks. Also can get some very impressive dunks when he loads up. When he gets the ball inside, when he's not as much on the move to where he can really gather and go up strong, it's more difficult for him. If he's kind of right under the rim on a seal or something like that, you know, he kind of goes up with a weak jump hook. He'll bring the ball down, get it stripped or blocked. You'll see that a lot of times from him. His rebounding was pretty anemic, although he played next to two great rebounders in Jordan Bell and Kevon Looney. So that's probably part of that on the offensive glass he had a, a couple of tip dunks not an amazing offensive rebound rate overall though only six percent you'd like to see that be higher in this environment he hit a couple of jump shots early on in the summer league and then missed it as time went on even took like he tried to like cross up eddie tavares and take a jump shot off the drool but i think he lost confidence in that as time went on I mean, anything else you wanted to say about him i mean i think you see the potential in him for sure but he still has a ways to go but the physical tool i mean the the thing that was important to me to see from him was the physical tools are really there right like you saw that whereas when he was first coming back from that pectoral injury uh, playing during the middle of the season in the g league or in spot minutes with the warriors you didn't see as much of that pop as you saw in summer yeah i think that's a fair point and with a pectoral injury and i didn't know this until uh his injury that you can't really run with it just because of the way that it is so that makes sense that he had to work his way back and that it would take a little while to see it and so not only last year did he lose summer but he lost at the beginning of the year to do any of the physical part the mental stuff of course you could watch and, and all that but yeah it's, but by the way nba teams i've said this before but how about you just don't have players come in and try to bench press as much as they can like it doesn't matter at all it's stupid like it's just like a way to get someone hurt if you're gonna if that's gonna factor into your decision making in the slightest like you're just a complete waste of your time and he got hurt because of that yep that's true let's go to patrick mccaw mccaw was a subject of fascination for for some people just because he played a small but important role on the Warriors this past year and was going to play a very different role on the Summer League team. He did. What surprised me was that he did less on-ball than I expected and more off-ball and his jump shot looked a lot better. Yeah, it did. He sped up his release. He's catching more on the hop now when he's really catching shooting. He's able to get off. You said he did less on-ball. I didn't see that actually. He had by far most of his possessions statistically as the pick-and-roll ball handler 
He was able to take three pointers. He's able to get to the lane. His finishing is really excellent. He has an excellent feel for finishing around the rim, avoiding shot blockers, double pumping. He's not a nuclear athlete, but he seems to be improving as an athlete. And when he can get to the rim, he's also just smart enough to not attempt layups around the rim that he's not going to be able to make. Decent floater game as well. He's got some nice vision. It still shows that poise, plays at a nice speed. Um, jump shot looked good. Had one rough game against the Cavaliers, but he also had a few 20-point games. And I'm I'm already annoyed for when Nick Young is going to take his minutes this year. Yeah, I mean, it, he did look capable of playing a, a, a role on the Warriors, and Nick Young is probably going to occupy some of that spot. But I actually yeah. think one place that McCaw could go, depending on where they handle the, the remaining roster spots, is he could just replace Ian Clark. And I think that would be a, a nice spot for him where, you know, sometimes on ball, sometimes off ball, defending ones, and, you know... I had thought of Trey Burke for that role, but if it's Patrick McCall, that works. Yeah, well, I thought of Nick Young really was going to replace Ian Clark, but I guess defensively, as he's going to just be the guy who guards uh, ones on the second unit, that makes a little bit more sense, uh, perhaps. Um, Jordan Bell was exactly as advertised, and he was uh, came well advertised. Just a very interesting game. Does not shoot hardly at all. I mean, he only averaged four field goal attempts per game, but just outstanding in every other aspect. He his recognition defensively for a player who is coming into the NBA, yes, he was a you know a successful college player, a successful college defender, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, I believe. But he was such a difference maker on that end, and it was it was consistently impressive, not only in terms of recognition but also in terms of his motor and his athleticism. He was able to see what was going on and get there, which is actually one of the elements that makes Draymond Green such a good defender. I don't think he'll ever reach that level, but you could see the signs of that and also the idea of him being able to develop in a place where he doesn't have the pressure to score or the pressure to dominate immediately could really be good for him long term and this dude had a five by five game in summer league that's pretty impressive yeah i I thought that his yeah go ahead that was in the overtime game against the wolves i believe and yeah he's he's such just just an intriguing talent certainly worth a roster spot or another reminder of why it seemed unnecessary to squeeze everything out for nick young just because if they had been able to get him on a three-year contract i think that would have been very useful long term for the warriors because that last year might be very expensive compared to what it would have been at the minimum or close to it so we'll have to see but that i mean i can and maybe maybe his agent would just wanted a two-year contract that's entirely possible too but we'll see yeah i liked what he was able to do passing the ball he actually had eight assists in five games but had some nice big to big passes he played mostly at the four when he was out there because they had looney and damian jones out there as well 13 steals and 10 blocks nine percent block rate was outstanding and he had a 35 percent defensive rebound rate as well really impressive in the floor game i don't expect him to ever be a guy that they're going to want shooting outside of the immediate basket area he took a couple of threes missed both of them i would be surprised if that becomes part of his game but really i mean again another guy who did everything you would hope for him to do the things that he was advertised to do translated very well to the summer league level yeah and we can move on to the last guy I think when you talk about the Warriors Kevon Looney Looney was the Warriors first round pick a couple years ago ended up you know he's been dealing with injury stuff for the last little while the question for him was is he good enough to warrant a roster spot on the Warriors and my answer is I think he should get a flyer somewhere I think that you know especially at at an extremely low salary he's worth that but not to the Warriors because they don't really need what he brings yeah he still is a nice rebounder got on the offensive glass pretty well 
We didn't see much of his jump shot at all. Only took a couple of three-pointers, four jump shots overall. He has not shown the athleticism that I hoped that he would get to. Maybe that's the hip injuries. You don't hear the greatest stuff about his work ethic, about the way that he's worked to improve his body. You know, he still looks a little bit doughy out there compared to where you would like him to be. So yeah, maybe he still has some passing skills. He tried to work a little bit in isolation that kind of failed his explosion around there. I mean, he has a good knack for finishing, but because he can't really jump, that only takes him so far. But there is a player in here. I mean, he had some effective moments early in the season playing with the Warriors and... So I think there is some hope there, but he's just, he's not, and he has great length, but if he can't really be like a switch guy defensively, then you start to wonder of like how he can stay on the floor. Like, I don't even think his offense is the biggest problem. It's more his ability to get down in a stance and stay in front of people because he's not a center defensively. And so if he's going to play the four, then it becomes imperative that he'd be able to defend in the perimeter. And he's not really able to do that at this point in time. If you were the GM, let's say not of the Warriors, but of a different team that acquired him would you be willing to pick up his fourth year player option or fourth year team option sorry really depends on the opportunity cost uh I mean, I, I would want to get him in camp and see, but it, it's very, it's right on the borderline right now. I mean, you, you have until October 31st to do that. The extension deadline is now before the first day of the regular season, but the option deadline is still the 31st. So you can even get a couple of games under his belt first before you decide, but it's certainly no, it doesn't matter what team I was, there's no way I would automatically be willing to do that. Especially because that fourth year gets to be more expensive. There's a pretty significant raise percentage in that fourth year for guys who are lower down in the draft. Yeah, he'd jump up to about $2.3 million, So it's effectively the same rate as a veteran minimum guy, except that you have to pay him the full amount as opposed to veteran minimum guy where you're just paying him the two-year amount. Let's get to Houston now. Uh, what did you think of uh, Joe Chi? He was not what I expected. I, I thought that he moved better than I had kind of seen. I watched a little bit of film of him, but admittedly not a ton. And he looked more comfortable on the floor than I thought, but I still kind of wonder like where his game goes from here. But here is a different is, is better than I thought. He shot well on threes in the first game, and then he couldn't hit anything. I think he like missed like his last 18 three-pointers and finished like three out of 21. Overall, it was not good. He's listed now as being 21. There were certainly some whispers that he was older than that at the time, though it's not like as bad as E, who there was like some pretty good proof that he was three years older than they said. He has that 7-8 wingspan. He can block some shots. I think you mentioned his mobility. He is capable of putting the ball on the floor. I thought he actually made some okay passes uh, every once in a while out of those type of plays. Didn't really create much on two-pointers. He was 7 out of 12 on two-pointers, but did get fouled a fair amount as a skinny guy. Sometimes that can actually help you a little bit because it's more obvious when you get fouled. Not explosive. Uh, He is not really able to go over guys at the rim, even at his size. You know, obviously he can dunk it if he's wide open, but you know, if there's someone in his way, he doesn't really have that much of a plan of how to score over that guy i think he can get there as a solid three-point shooter perhaps my big concern about him is that although he has some mobility he's still too slow to guard fours and he has a very narrow frame very narrow shoulders and we saw him in person at the hoop summit i can't remember it was one year ago or two years ago and you really wonder how much weight he can put on whether he can hold up at center i don't know that he's going to be like an alley-oop threat off the pick and roll either so he's probably more of a 
pick and pop guy and maybe he can just be a force blocking some shots he's got a high skill level I don't see him being a guy who's going to be able to go one-on-one in the NBA and I think because of the fact that he's not that strong if you switch on him like I don't see him being able to beat up those type of players maybe he'll get stronger but I am not as hopeful about that as you would maybe be for some other guys so I think he can be a quality player I think he'd be better than E especially due to that length and potential shot blocking like he can be a real problem for people at the rim but I wasn't seeing him here I wasn't like oh man this guy for sure is going to be a future rotation player I think he maybe has that potential but I wasn't blown away by what he could do it's always hard when a guy's best game is his first game because you could sit there and you go oh wow look look at how exciting that is and then you go and it, but it's just the way that it, it works sometimes is that that's pushing it you know it's just the way I thought Damian Jones his best game was his first game too and I think that he's worth you know having a spot on the roster seeing if you can develop him he has a guaranteed contract for this year I don't know how many years of his contract are guaranteed he did get four with the Rockets before they used more of their mid-level on PJ Tucker but you know I think I think he's capable and see what they have in him the guy that I was I think I was most impressed on the Rockets they had a, a kind of a fun roster a couple other guys have, have ended up making their team Isaiah Taylor I I think that he's probably more of a third point guard than a second point guard right now but I I like his handle I think you know his jump shot is not going to be what it was last year because that's ridiculous but I just think he can play one of the best handles in the D-League shot 46% um, ah no it well it was the D-League shot 46% in the G-League 43 out of 94 52% from the field overall and when I talked to some scouts at the D-League showcase he was one of the first names mentioned as someone who maybe should get a call up and now he is in fact on the big roster he was a great statistically in summer league but he's able to get to where he wants to on the floor I think he could be a solid player you know he's not incredibly explosive if he were he would have been had more of a pedigree coming out of school but I like him I think he could be a backup point guard someday and he's still pretty young he's only 23. The other guy on their summer league team that has that didn't have a contract and now does is Troy Williams he got signed today guaranteed first year and then I don't know what's going on after that I I like Troy Williams too I mean he I'm not exactly sure when you think about an NBA rotation where he fits in I, I I haven't figured that out yet have you but I still like him yeah you know I'm still not a believer in his jump shot he's got a big hitch on it he shoots it with two hands He's able to create shots for sure. He had a 31% usage, but I would hope that he would do more of the floor game things that his athleticism would suggest, right? He's not a great rebounder either in the G League or in summer league, doesn't get a ton of steals or blocks. You know, he uses athleticism really well as a finisher. He can get up for some great dunks, outstanding running the floor in transition. He also had a a trick where he would actually just spot up, you know, from Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson range, but instead of obviously shooting from there he would get the pass his guy would be in the lane and he could get the pass with a running start and just go right at the guy with his athleticism he was able to make some plays that way it was a nice nice trick to kind of just step into the pass and so he's basically on the move already as he makes the catch that worked well for him I think he's on a three-year deal, the first year of which is guaranteed. And I'm not going to say, and he doesn't, he hasn't shown enough defensively. I mean, that's where he's going to really have to make his bread and butter. 
if I had to say, all right, this guy will be a rotation player in the NBA or not, I would probably lean towards not. But he certainly, of course, has that athletic potential and, and he pops for sure. I mean, that's 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 the one thing that you want to see from a guy in summer league is, all right, is this guy do things that look like he's at another level and athletically he is on another level for most of the guys in summer. The other two players that were a part of their summer league that I think we should talk about, we could talk about Unwaku first, who will be on their roster this year, already has a guaranteed contract second round pick last year i i didn't love what he brought i mean he certainly can can play but i don't think that he like he doesn't impact the game as much as you would hope for a guy who doesn't have enough of a jump shot to play anything other than center yeah it's uh, the same issue that it always was with him i mean he's a center and he's not bouncy enough to me he really cannot jump and i don't think he had a single dunk in summer league certainly nothing even remotely in traffic he's a solid rebounder and he can pass he'll throw some very flashy passes but he also throws the ball away a ton in the course of trying to make those passes he's got good length so he'll block shots every now and again but i'm not really sure of like what he's supposed to be in the league maybe he can handle the ball in the high post and find guys going back door that could be a skill if he can get a little bit more disciplined his jump shot took a couple from mid-range, looked okay taking him, but not something you expect to be part of his game anytime soon. But is he going to be a dive man on a pick and roll? I think he struggles to catch and make a play. You know, he, he could maybe make a pass out of that situation, but if there's any kind of resistance for him at the rim, you know, it's going to be a tough shot for him on the move. He can't go over guys and finish. And he doesn't really have like amazing size for a center, especially when you consider that he can't jump at all. And then the last guy, Isaiah Hartenstein, who we both saw at Hoop Summit this past year and who was their second round pick. To me, he looked more like somebody who should be in Europe for a year or two. And then you just bring him over in a summer league setting to see if he's figured it out. Yeah. If he was hoping to convince the Rockets to bring him over this year, he did not succeed there. He just has kind of like an odd game. Like he shoots his jumper with both hands. He's got to like get that thumb out of it. He shot only one out of seven on threes. He was playing less than 10 minutes a game, uh, but still managed 24% usage. Like he will try to make plays. Didn't have a great rebounding performance either, but pretty small sample size. And his finishing around the rim isn't great unless he's wide open for a dunk because he just like does this weird thing where he like short arms everything like his hook shots. He's like, he almost like tries to shoot a floater when he. He's like right under the basket for a layup. Like he gets no extension whatsoever. He just like, there's something very odd about the way he holds the ball. He doesn't have like a normal shot really. He's not a guy who's going to like shoot like a turnaround jumper or something like that. He'll try, he'll put the ball on the floor, but he goes left every time and he'll, he can make a pass on occasion, but he gets into traffic and doesn't really have the ability to do like a Euro step at the rim or extend around the defense for a finish. Like not much crap finishing. I, I do think he still has the athleticism and ability to move his feet that maybe he can figure it out that he can be a guy who can go up and get some alley-oops every once and again or or finish just dunks but he's got a long way to go to me from a, a skill development standpoint. I, I hope to see more from him here and because uh, he was someone that I thought could maybe be a guy who might turn into an NBA player. Uh, so I, I was a little disappointed with him and obviously the coaching staff, given how little they played him, probably felt similarly. One more team left, the Indiana Pacers who played in Orlando. TJ Leaf, somebody I'm familiar with and my big criticism of him going into the draft was that I thought even if it works, 
which I am openly skeptical of. I didn't just see how that player was super valuable. And that's exactly what I saw. Yeah, that's right. Another one of these guys where we just we don't quite see the theory of him. And I think he did some of the things that he was supposed to be able to do well, well, right? He finished well around the rim, for example. I think he had 18 points on 10 shots around the basket. He was able to finish dump offs pretty solidly. Shot two out of 10 on threes, but looked comfortable taking them. Concerning that he had zero blocks in three games, that's exactly what his reputation was. He just in general plays very upright on both ends, doesn't get into a stance very well defensively. Nearly impossible to imagine him becoming an average defensive player in the NBA at the power forward position. Doesn't have the type of mobility that you really want, the ability to switch that you really would want in a modern day power forward. And so while he can shoot the ball, he's another one of these guys who it's like kind of like Markinow though Markinen is on a whole nother level than him as a shooter but where yeah this guy would have been great six years ago when like stretch fours like traditional sized stretch fours were all the rage but now we need more defensive versatility I don't think that he necessarily provides that we didn't see him get into the post a ton either that was maybe something else that he was reputed to be able to do but uh, I certainly advocate fewer post-ups especially in summer league because my eyes will start to bleed whenever there are summer league post-ups especially if you're during between the middle 10 minutes of the first and second halves when they've got the reserves on the floor and like they try to throw it into jack cooley in the post and you're just like oh no not that i don't enjoy the aesthetics of jack cooley but uh in any event joe young don't want to spend too much time on him i mean he's pretty old now i think he's 25 this is his third summer league disappointed a little bit last year they did guarantee his contract for this year he shows a little bit more in terms of basic playmaking maybe it's possible he can get into the mix at point guard although he has a couple guys ahead of him now in Darren Collison and Corey Joseph who are much more established players and then he's got Lance Stevenson and Victor Oladipo as guys who want to handle the ball as well on that team so it's hard to see him getting much of a role but they guaranteed his contract we'll see if he works out there's just it's not that much a guy like him can prove at this point I mean the one thing I had was curious to see is if he could pass a little bit more and I thought he showed at least some basic playmaking yeah I was a little bit surprised that they that they picked it up just because there are guys on the margins who I think have more upside than he does and and so maybe it's the idea of comfort more so. I don't know if he'll play with their... I actually don't know their D-League situation. Do they have a sole affiliate? I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, f- f- the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. That's right. They bought the Mad Ants. Um, and so maybe they want to see him in that kind of role. But I feel like those are the kind of roster spots that teams need to get more aggressive with. With Okay, so what is he... Like, where are we going with this? Because there are players on the margins that, that have it. I think Miami has done this very well. We're just, just cultivating that and maximizing it. So he's not, it's not terrible enough saying they're going like oh he's trash or anything but i think they can do better and they should do better they owe it to themselves all right that'll do it finally (laughs) we've been recording this with a a few breaks for two hours and 42 minutes But we endeavor to give you a full breakdown of Summer League. We'll be back. Remains to be seen exactly when with the second half of this, but probably at some point within the next week. So we'll talk to you all then. Don't forget about our sponsors today. Lyft, lift.com slash capspace. You want to start driving for them, get up to a $500 new bonus, new driver bonus, movement watches, mvmt.com slash capspace. We'll get you a 15% discount there. And helixsleep.com slash capspace for your custom made mattress. Get a $50 discount off of that. 
that. NateDuncanNBA.com, the merchandise link if you want to get some mugs or t-shirts, which are actually almost all sold out again, but we're going to be ordering some new ones very shortly. Uh, you got anything you want to announce before we depart? Well, I'll mention a couple quick things. One, I'm still working on my book. Uh, that's what I've been doing the last week is editing it. I'm very happy with it, but it's so it'll be on Triumph Publishing, Warrior's Book, and that'll come out November 1st. And then our Patreon. So we will do a Patreon mailbag at some point in the near future, you know, probably in the next couple days, maybe the next week. Patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. You can subscribe. And that is the only way to both submit and hear the audio of our mail only podcast, along with the great salary cap sheets that you've been putting out. And then I, I'm not going to be flying anytime soon. So there might not be an airport AMA for a little while, but we'll see. Uh, by the mail only, you mean mail bag only? Mail bag only. <laughs> just, just, just to be clear, because you know, maybe we have like we have a couple our extensive, extensive female listenership, especially uh, on the Patreon. We we openly so. we openly encourage it. It's just uh, yeah, that was that was a I guess you call it a Freudian slip. I don't really know what the right word for that is. That's the it's been we've almost recorded for three hours slip. Oh yeah, uh, the truncate silence button is gonna be used literally. Uh, no God, liberally, Woo! liberally on this one. All right, we're done here. This is really devolved. Uh, talk to y'all <laughs> next time. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.